Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell leak. Factions is dead. Well, hello and welcome to a merry, merry, happy holly Christmas triangle squared special. (laughs) So many women on the show. (laughs) Uh, We're very progressive here. Uh, Chris, I am joined by you, as always, one Mr. Chris Figueroa, and I'm your host, Brett Beck, like I said. So uh, if this is your first time listening to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast, first and foremost, welcome. We hope you enjoy the show. We, of course, talk about the gaming industry through the perspective of being primarily PlayStation fans. But one thing we always say is that we are fans of each system, and we will equally talk about the positive and negative we see of each system, be it PC, Switch, Xbox, um, or even the old classics like the PS2, PS3, Vita. You know, our beloveds. Uh, So if that sounds like your kind of thing, we hope you stick around and enjoy the show. We've got some stuff going on today. We're going to be talking about uh, Chris trying to beat his head over Grand Theft Auto 4 um, (laughs) and partially succeeding, at least so far. Um, We've got some news about The Last of Us uh, factions and where it uh, lies, uh, potentially six feet deep. Uh, we got some PS5 Pro rumors and uh, some other stuff that is involving some of the Elder Scrolls Six and Skyrim stuff. But as we always start these shows off, we will be checking in on what each of us have been playing this week. Uh, so hopefully either open each other's eyes to some games that we might like or give you our input on something you may have been um, either blissfully unaware of uh, or that you've been curious about, but wanted to hear some thoughts on it. So Chris, I'm going to start off with you. You have a little bit shorter of a list than me this week. Um, Yeah. So uh, of course I've already spoiled your GTA four. Would you like to uh, regale the listeners with our, uh, our escapades through Liberty city? Yeah. So on my own, I've now finished the story so i kind of worked through that as oh thanks oh thanks um i've worked through that as relative relatively quickly um because there's the trophy liberty city minute which you have to do under 30 hours i cleared it in 21 i think so not a bad runtime um the game is great i was getting real frustrated at the end though that game got real hard real fast just one of those classic difficulty spikes right at the end. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where the cover system sucks. It sucks is strong because it's it's pat, passable for the time, you know. Like, like well, it's, it's, it's dated, but it, yeah. it's in context, it's even worse because you've played such better games since then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because like stuff is flying from all corners in some of these maps. Like people are up on different levels of you and. Sometimes you can hit them in cover. Sometimes you just shoot at a wall in the middle of cover, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, I had been talking to Blake through it and I said to him, I'm like, I've been playing GTA four off and on for about 12 hours today. And I finished five missions. (laughs) Yeah, that was all I did. I wasn't searching for pigeons. None of that. Just the, trying to get through the story it took me all day, but now it's done. Um, so it's just a matter of 100%ing the game and then doing the online trophies, which is where our GTA 4 experiences intersect or reach the starting line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For all the races we did, yeah. look, 
We've got a I lot haven't more played to do. GTA 4 since uh, 360 when it first came out. And, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I remember having played it. I remember why I fell out of it. I think that game is incredibly clunky when it comes to real combat, like you're talking about. Um, but what I thought was really interesting is I want to I want to talk about the positives of the game because I remember when it first came out the game is dense with detail. Oh yeah. At a time when that was unusual for games. So like of course it came out post like uh, post uh, Oblivion. But that's like one of the only other contemporary games in the console space that had that kind of depth and detail. And so with that in mind, I remember being impressed and I remember thinking that it was equally fun because I was like, you know, pretty young at that point, maybe 13, 14. Um, I thought it was equally fun that you could do all these new things like get drunk and then drunk drive and see how it impaired your vision and all that. (laughs) But I always felt frustrated anytime the game actually tried moving me into any kind of, I I want, this sounds bad. I I don't want to say real gameplay, but I want to say core gameplay necessary to move the story forward. That's what I'll say. So gameplay that's required in order to continue the story because up until four, I have actually beaten Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. I beat Liberty City Stories, and I played most of Vice City Stories on PSP. Um, So I really traditionally liked the stories, and I found myself having a really hard time trying to stick through the story because I was constantly getting frustrated. And playing it with you, the little bit that I did, just brought Uh all that back. But I think I realized what it really was. I always felt like maybe I was just growing out of Grand Theft Auto, but I've long said that my problem with their game is I don't particularly like their brand of third-person shooting. I'm not even going to call it bad, but what I think for me happened... Because on PS2, third-person shooting was not nearly as ubiquitous as it became on PS3. Um, and I think a handful of really great third-person shooter games came out b- right before Grand Theft Auto 4 did. And I think it kind of redetermined the way I approached third-person shooters. And I felt like that game fell short of that. Uh, and I think that that's really where the disconnect happened. Grand Theft Auto 4 is both surprisingly, <clears throat> it, it holds up surprisingly well. Uh, the little bit of storytelling I had, uh, the writing is still pretty solid for the bits of cutscenes that I saw. And of mm-hmm. course, what I remember from previously beating it, uh, I thought the game looked honestly great. Oh, yeah. We talked about it. We talked about it like uh, PS3 was one of the, I feel like PS3 was the last generation where the, like one of the early games and one of the final games looked so drastically different that you're like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um and to that end, Grand Theft Auto Five looks way better than Grand Theft Auto Four, but Grand Theft Auto Four still holds up. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Four looks great. It's character <clears throat> models is always the thing that catches you on those. The world, the yeah. world itself, honestly looks really great. Still, it the does. cars are a little eh, but most of the time in motion, you don't notice it. I think that's kind of the thing with Grand Theft Auto Four, where it's like it's not Horizon Forbidden West, which, for whatever I feel about that game, gameplay wise, is probably the most beautiful game in existence right now but um it's not it's not that but it's still totally serviceable i think for me the ps3 maybe this is a hot take but i think the ps3 is the last playable 3d console because i know some people are like mad about that but i agree with you generally speaking i have a ps2 and i have I have Grand Theft Auto 3 for PS2, and it is not possible to look at that game. <laughs> I think away from looks, I think general feel, 
They I think feel those terrible games feel too. pretty rough. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, here's here's my caveat. I think 3D games with fixed cameras surprisingly work really well on PS2. Definitely. Like I think God of War 2 holds up incredibly well as a PS2 game. Fixed camera, Devil May Cry 3, fixed camera, looks great, plays great. Yeah, I think it's more of a trying to do too much uh, with too little. I mean, at the time, that was okay, but now looking in hindsight, that's why I look at you and I say the PS3 is the most playable now. In the PS5 generation, I don't feel like I lost very much other than, really other than FOMO of Avatar by playing Grand Theft Auto 4. And I guess I missed a lot of Destiny shit that I do not care about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Velvet. Our uh, our weekly Destiny talk real quick. So there you go. <laughs> Every episode. Continue. Um, I don't feel like I lost all that much, right? You know, yeah. it was just like, oh, I'm having a lot of fun. And I haven't turned my PS5 or my Xbox on since I started playing GTA 4. It's funny you say that because the same feeling you had with GTA 4 is exactly when I was revisiting Infamous 2. I was like, bro, this is great. Yeah. And I know that nostalgia fuels some of that, but nostalgia doesn't tend to blind me to visual or gameplay feel. And I got to say, like, just to even throw that in, like, Infamous 2, I'll give it credit. So it's it's three years later uh, mm-hmm. than Red Auto uh, 4. <clears throat> but Infamous 2 felt incredible still. Mm-hmm. And it looks honestly incredible still. Like it's a it's a great looking game. Infamous one is actually kind of rough looking for That's in the same areas say, yeah. that Grand Theft Auto is. It's rough character models, rough animations. Actually, the character animations are even worse in Infamous than they are in Grand Theft Auto, but they're both oh, pretty yeah. bad. But interestingly, going to Infamous right after GTA 4, what I was talking about the other day, do you not see what I was talking about? Like world style, the way they approach displaying their open world is really mm-hmm. similar. Well, that was one of the things I commented on when I turned it on today is I looked at it and I was like, this looks like GTA. (laughs) (laughs) I never realized it until I was playing it again and I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. Yeah. I mentioned last week that I want next year to be a lot more platinums I'm challenged to go for. So something Mm, like GTA 4, um, I think Dragon Age Origins and 2 are on my list next. Um, but I genuinely believe that I will, by the end of next year, I will have played more PS3 than PS5. That's like a goal for me. That's not a bad goal. There's a lot of great games on PS3, plenty of ones I didn't even get around to. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's talk about your last one real quick. I noticed that you started up Lollipop Chainsaw, which is getting the remaster treatment here pretty soon. Yeah, well... Interestingly enough, it was going to be a remake, but fans basically demanded it be a remaster because they were worried that they would change too much if they went remake. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you saw that, but that, that was pretty interesting. I didn't see that, but I'm not surprised. That game is very... I say this with all the love and respect for James Gunn, but that feels like... the J- It feels like and very much is the James Gunn era he got fired for. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and... <gasps> Yeah. Um, I think the game is a lot of fun. But yeah, that I haven't played a ton of it, but that was a White Whale game, and the homie Blake Pope sent it to me. So white, Lollipop Chainsaw is on my shelf. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I will get around to... I played it, but I never beat it. Um, I checked it out whenever I worked at uh, GameStop because they would allow you to mm-hmm. check games out for two, three days. Um, and so I played a, a bit of it, and I thought it was fun, but there was a lot of games at the time, and so I just never made my way back around to buying it. 
So I just have never beat it. But like, you know, Shadows of the Damned is a great game, and I'm looking forward yeah. to that being remade so I can come back around to that. That'll be one I play this year, I think. Oh, dude, I'm it's, it's like Dead Space meets Dante's Inferno meets like Mexican soap opera, like a telenovela. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. awesome. It's <laughs> I, I have a lot of stuff I want to try. Like I've been... I, I always go back to Remember Me, but I've never actually finished it. And that game oh, seems dude, that really game's cool. cool. Uh, is Remember cool. Me's there. Alice Madness Returns. I'm looking forward to playing. Um, oh yeah! Did dude. you did you Killer play? Game. I know this isn't retro hour, but holy fuck, it is like that that sunk in where I said retro hour, and I was accurately describing the PS3. <laughs> <laughs> um, but have you ever played? Shh, <laughs> 3D dot game heroes? No, but I do know what it is. Yeah, that's and one it's on like my a, list. It's an oddly expensive game, and it's oh, uh, it cost hard me like find. eighty bucks. Yeah. yeah, and I remember seeing it for like four dollars on our shelf when I worked at GameStop. Oh yeah, the hindsight, dude. The hindsight is the worst part about being a collector. <laughs> I think that you have already proven yourself smart to go ahead and buy both Gollum and Kong Skull Island or whatever. Yeah. Uh, because I think both of those games will end up being like, dude, like for, it's, it's gone back down for some reason, but for a while there, if you had the amazing Spider-Man two physically after mm-hmm. they cut that off, that game was like gold. You know where I think it comes from? GameStop has stock of it again. And I think that sent the price down. Probably because they open yeah. up their site and they're selling it for 14 bucks. So it's like, okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah. All right, I want to quickly move through mine. Uh, my time run trophies were, I, I told you I started super liminal. That game is fucking awesome, dude. It's so good. <laughs> I me. loved it. Loved every second of it. I actually want to replay it again with the developer commentary turned on uh, just because I want to hear them talk about the game. I think it's, I would love to hear some of their thought processes behind yeah. how they made some of the puzzles. Um, so my first playthrough probably took me around five to six hours because I did a lot of exploring. Uh, but I didn't realize there were like a bunch of collectibles, like a surprisingly bunch of them. Uh, you have to uh, you have to let all of the stuff out of every fire extinguisher you come across in the game, and you have to pull every fire alarm. Um, <laughs> so and then there's a bunch of other things. There's like blueprints and these chess pieces that you can find that come together and make a thing. Uh, but really, the two trophies I got down to is my last two trophies were. One for speed running, beat the game under an hour. One for speed running, beat the game in 35 minutes. Okay. Um, and I got both of them in my first try. Uh, and my Damn, time was nice. 29 minutes, 28 seconds, something like that. Um, and that was awesome because I, whenever I went back to replay to get some of the collectibles I'd missed on, you just get to a point where you can like, I remembered the trophies and you, or I remembered the solutions and you start moving through them. And it's those types of games where every now and then you're kind of like, I get the speed run allure because that, it's cool. It's like, it's it just feel like you're running through a game that takes a normal person six hours and you were just like, I just did that shit in 20, 29 minutes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it makes you feel really powerful because I remember powerful is a weird word, but really uh, talented because it's, I remember like doing RE4. That's why I love um, the Resident Evil game so much because mm-hmm. I remember by the time I was finishing RE2, it was like an hour. And I would run through that whole game and it was you skip all you just know exactly what you're doing. You could throw grenades around corners knowing what's around the corner and like continue your strides. It feels really fun. So I get that. It's interesting to see, but uh that game was awesome. And uh it's apparently a surprisingly uh rare platinum because of the speedrun trophy. Not everyone's yeah. built for that. Uh but I think most people probably can pull it off. 
Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll think about trying it. Uh, anyway, the next game, incredibly cute that I played, uh, and I'm not done with it, and I almost di- didn't want to break off of it to try Avatar, but dude, Yoku's Island Express is so goddamn fun. I, w- I remember the trailer whenever it was first coming out, and I thought it was a cool idea because it reminded me of Sonic Spinball, but I didn't realize how much of its little Metroidvania-style presentation. It's just super fun. It's a weird mix of things you wouldn't think, but like platforming across the space kind of Ori in the Blind Forest style, but doing it with like ping pong, with, a, with like a pinball uh, paddles, whatever you want, uh, paddles, I guess. I don't know if you call them that, but <laughs> yeah, bumpers, I guess. Uh, something like that. It's been incredibly fun. Also, just think the game's really cute. It's got a great style to it. Beautiful visual art. Uh, the music's always bumping, doing something wild. I don't know how far you got into it earlier, but I am having a fucking blast. And it was on sale for three ninety nine. <laughs> it came back into my memory. I was like, oh. I never played that game. Looked it up. I was like, fuck yeah, three ninety nine. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. When you messaged me, I thought you were talking about ukulele. Oh. And I'm still curious about that game, but I yeah. don't know that I like platformers enough to try it. But this game was fun. I did like it a, a decent amount. Yeah, and this is not platforming in the traditional sense, so I think that you would like it for the Metroidvania aspects, but I don't know. I could see you liking it. I could also see you never beating it. Like... <laughs> I don't Me know. I, I'm I'm probably three quarters of the way through it. I just like been hyper on it. So oh, at man. lunch today, I decided the whole reason I even started playing it is that lunch yesterday, I was going to play Avatar. I bought it and told it to download, but that game's pretty big. Yeah. So it wasn't done downloading. And so I was like, fuck it. I got Yoku's uh, downloaded. So I started playing it. And then I was just like, oh, shit. Let's go. <laughs> My God. Do you have a pair of wire strippers and crimps in your hand? I actually do. Yeah. What have you been crimping over there? You putting radios and vehicles? Yes, I am. My uh, brothers from my my brother and my mom got me a uh, Sony car radio. Very big fanboy over here. But I just literally just texted them. They kept asking me what I wanted for my birthday, and I hate that question for Christmas, birthdays, any of that. Um, I hate it. And so I just eventually I was just like I want a fucking car radio with Apple CarPlay <laughs> and then the, so that's what they got me hell yeah let's go good luck putting it in I actually enjoy doing that kind of work it's, yeah. it's oddly calming <laughs> really <laughs> yeah the stress is making it fit it depends modern cars are a lot more difficult than older cars oh yeah yeah so good luck with that <laughs> but you know most of them have got install kits that you can find so yeah I'll figure it out you go speaking you of go. install kits how long <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of install kits uh, i installed avatar on my playstation <laughs> there you go thank you got that no um i'll be quick on it and then we can get moving along um i'm curious to hear what scared you off of it and i have a feeling that you didn't even make it out of tutorial and i can understand potentially even why uh interesting choice for them but I finally got past the full tutorial, which is one of those long ones. I actually appreciate that. Like you don't see the uh, you don't see the title screen come up until like two hours in. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, but about an hour into it, you're doing like real gameplay. You're doing the mix of gameplay that I was hoping. So I remember seeing the trailers. I was like, this feels like Far Cry, which is kind of obvious because it's Ubisoft. But it's got like some hints of what. They how they changed that formula up when they kind of co-opted it for Horizon. Uh, so I saw some of that in there. I was like, interesting. 
and then I kept seeing like some of the parkour gameplay, and it would kind of cut really quickly. And I was like, "Bro, does this look like Mirror's Edge Catalyst? I'm totally down for this." And I'm happy to report that is exactly what this game is. It's like Far Cry meets Horizon meets Mirror's Edge, both Catalyst and the original. It's mm-hmm. really fun. I love it. Uh, it's got problems, but it's very interesting. The the most weird problem to show the scale of the not be as the game continues to oh. tell me is how it's pronounced. Um, anyway, to show the scale of the Navi, they do. I get it. You kind of have to, cause that's what the people are, but they're so much taller than humans and humans are a good chunk of the early enemies at the very least. And they're so small. <laughs> <laughs> so like when you're pulling like the bowstring back to aim at them, you're like, where is this motherfucker? <laughs> that's pretty funny. But yes, it's clearly a Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft ass Ubisoft game. But I think it does to the Far Cry formula what I think Far Cry has been needing to actually do, which is just shaking it up in a way that still feels more in line with what Far Cry is than what Far Cry Six did, where it just kind of started co-opting shit from other Ubisoft franchises, like um, the Ghost Recon Wildlands and Breakpoint and all that stuff. So yeah, I've been enjoying uh, Avatar. Chris, I think you should at least get back into it long enough to get through to where you're actually playing in the open world just to see if it clicks with you. But I am going to go ahead and give you a warning. Oh, boy. I don't know how you feel about Far Cry in general as a series. I like the four and primal. Okay. Then there's a chance you'll like this one. Okay. But those games are also somewhat similar to horizon. So depending on what you didn't like about horizon or what didn't stick with you, like make you want to continue playing horizon, you might face that here. I can't tell you for sure. I don't know. I honestly, I fell off. It's so bad, but I just don't like the way the characters look. I don't like the design of the, not the Navi. I think they're disgusting and it's, it makes me not want to play it. I'm going to, I want to get through the tutorial and see the game. I am not a huge Avatar fan from the film series, but I think that the ideas can be interesting in gameplay. So sure. I'm glad to see someone finally do that. Um, but I can't say yet whether or not they've succeeded. I could just say that I'm about two and a half, maybe three hours in. Um, and so far, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I guess for me, it's just like, I know they're different, but why does the movie look so good and the game look, the game models look so bad? Like, yes, I understand different mediums, but holy shit. <laughs> I didn't think they looked that bad. Honestly, I oh. feel like they look exactly exactly as strong. I didn't watch Avatar 2. They look like my memory of Avatar 1's character models were. I know Avatar 1's are still technically so. higher detail, but, you know. So let's go ahead and get into um, the first question of the show, which is kind of in line with what we've played here recently. Um, so... No fate, Sean One Neo, one of our longtime listeners, longtime patrons. He says, "Now that you guys have enjoyed playing RoboCop Rogue City, it's definitely me and Chris has played some of it. What licensed game would you like to see Tayon Games do next?" And he gave what I think is the clear answer in his gif uh, in that question, which is Dread, Judge Dread. 
And I think that's a really good choice. It's kind of in line with the 80s sci-fi action films that they've been kind of doing with like Terminator going into RoboCop. But I also think generally speaking, that's a pretty good palette to work into and has a very obvious gameplay connection. I think it's got a very obvious ability to tie into what they've done well, which is kind of taking 80s style stuff and doing something with it. I wouldn't mind seeing them take a tackle at the Aliens franchise since a lot of people seem to have a hard time I'm finding a way to make that franchise work. Um, or this one's a bit weirder. Um, Tron. <laughs> and I say that because I think Tron is rife. They did a lot of uh, RPG light stuff in this in Rogue City that I'd like to see them expand on. And I actually think Tron gives them a very easy way to do that. Even if they decided to go a little more modern with his presentation and do something like Tron Legacy's look, where it's like updated and a little more striking. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my answer, Chris. I don't know if you have one in, at the gun. Um, yeah, I think uh, Predator. Oh, Predator's a good option. It would actually be pretty sick. Um, I had another one. Oh, God. Rambo. There you go. I would play a Rambo game. I'm surprised no one's done like a Rambo Far Cry game. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like that the problem is, and I'm even guilty of it right now, is I feel like by the nobody actually understands what Rambo is, not even Sylvester Stallone who wrote the fucking character. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that they've worked in that niche for a while. I wouldn't mind seeing them go far off of that. Um uh, Blade Runner, but I feel like Blade Runner is a little too close to what they've kind of been doing. I'd actually kind of wouldn't mind seeing them kind of separate it up a little bit. So, uh, but either way, I think regardless, I'd like to see them get maybe a little bit more time, maybe a little bit more budget. But as I've talked about with a few people, their games are not always the most polished. They have some glitches. They have some weird stuff. But I think that the the, the fact that it gives this clear feeling of a labor of love and it ties really well into its respective franchises, I always feel like that quality of their games makes the other thing like it balances that scale. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a little buggy. It's got a little bit of uh, the character models don't look nearly as good as the rest of the game, but it's okay. I'm willing to trade those for the fact that they seem to understand the IP and know how to use it. Well, I got, I got a couple more. And my last one is, I think the best answer. Okay. So die hard. <clears throat> that would be a great Nacon game. Okay, great, these guys game die hard uh mcgyver okay out of the box <laughs> pick but i think it would work now okay here is the best one the a team okay okay that's that's their next game is the a team I almost wouldn't mind seeing them really go off board and kind of do something way different. But it's like a lot of it's going to be dealing with the fact of what they've done so far is found a way to have a bigger world and a little more interactive. I think it'd be a little hard to do, but like the thing is awesome and it'd be really cool to see them kind of take on something like that. But it's a little more horror driven. Um, I think you were right to point out something like, oh, Chris. Yeah. A They Live game. 
I like that. Okay. Where you're another character that stumbles upon. It could even be the actual dude, the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> he stumbles across the glasses. I think what's cool about it so far, though, and this is kind of the rough part. All the games or all the IP they've, t- they've touched on so far, they could be considered canon because they exist between movies. And they don't do anything that inherently contrasts the other movies. Uh, and I think that's smart. I don't exactly know where you would go with the they live you know that's kind of like the eh, who knows you know where they would go it would be like la noir kind of thing i mean maybe i still think blade runner could be a pretty interesting idea you know what i mean hear me Um, out blade (laughs) punisher I, I mean, I, I wasn't even making that joke, but yes, that is funny. Uh, <laughs> let's just do everything. Fuck it, make a Dune game. Someone well, needs to make a Dune I game. Think, I think the type they're ma- the type of games they're making led themselves to eighties like schlocky stuff. So I'd almost wonder if like a <sighs> if like a return to the PS2 level James Bond games from them. Like that sounds like it could be really <laughs> cool. Like, give me a Agent Under Fire remake by them. I'm in for that. I think that would be kind of sick. They make level-based shooters that are not the greatest thing you've ever played, but they're well, not I kind of like I kind of like how they started to with this game approach almost a hub world design. So if their next game could kind of expand on that a little bit, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Cuz there is like a, there's a hub area in Rogue City that you come back to multiple times. If they just gave you a few of those, I think that that could be really good and it could help expand the games maybe just a little bit. I don't really know that they need to be longer so much as it can add a little bit of variation. Um, Like it would have been kind of cool if in RoboCop there were two other, because like you go back to the city like three or four times, like the same area, it's like a hub. If if each time you went to a hub area, it was a new hub area that was a little different, that would have been kind of cool. But there's also value from a development standpoint, it's cheaper, but also from a storytelling standpoint, you get, you get to keep showing this hub, how it's changing between the events of the game, which is actually mm. pretty cool to see. Cause it's like, well, you visit it the first time and then the second time some stuff has changed and there's different things going on and you get to explore a little bit more of it that you didn't the first time. And you're like, Oh, okay. Interesting. Nice. That's so pretty cool. They use it well, but I think they're an interesting developer. Um, I just would be curious to see, if anyone would give them just a little more time and a little more money, but they don't need it. I think they've already gotten my thing. Like if they keep making the same quality of game, I will buy it and I will be happy, but it would be cool to see them just like, up themselves a little bit. Yeah. But you know, that's all right. That's the first question gone. We're going to go ahead and move into the first point of news here. And oh, that nice. is the PS five, um, or rather the PS Plus Extra games for December, as well as the premium games. So uh, with Grand Theft Auto 6 being announced, it's interesting to see that uh, PS Plus Extra has got Grand Theft Auto 5, both PS5 and PS4 version, available. Uh, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin has been added. MotoGP 2-3, Metal Hellsinger, Salt and Sacrifice, Moonscars, Mega Man 11, Gigabash, Grime, Tiny Can, Prodeus, which is a game I need to get around to. It looks really cool. It's great. Uh, yeah, Shadow One, uh, Shadow Run returns. Shadow Run Dagger Fell, Dagger Fall rather. I'm thinking of the Elder Scrolls over here, and then Shadow Run Hong Kong, uh, and then for people who are premium, 
Some more mm-hmm. old school games are being added. Uh, the Mega Very Man real. Legacy Collection, both one and two, are being added, uh, both PS4 versions. Thrillville for PSP has been added, as well as its sequel, Thrillville Off the Rails. And Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, the PS1 game, uh, has been added. And I adored that fucking game whenever I yeah. was a kid. I actually played it on Dreamcast. Uh, but dude, what a game. I may download that and play it just for like straight nostalgia. That's old Patrick Warburton's, uh, you know, Buzz Lightyear voice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a whole lot. So that's a good uh, good additions to the list, which is glad to see. Because like a lot of the games I've been playing lately are on <clears throat> PS Plus Extra. And it's funny because they're games I just wanted to play. And then I go to look them up. And I'm like, oh, there's actually two more games I didn't play. I'll just shout them out now. Carto is really cool. Okay. What is it? I had never even heard of it. Quick pitch of it is that you're uh, this little girl who's flying around with her uh, grandmother. And it's got like tribe-based stuff. So it's, you know, uh, built around different culture. And you fly out. Like there's this map. And her grandma shows that she can like change the world by moving the map pieces around on this thing. And you end up moving the map, causing a lightning storm, you fall out. And what's great about it is that the whole gameplay is finding pages of the of this map, opening up your map, and then rearranging the entire map that you're on to solve puzzles, find people, find where you're supposed to go and tell the story. So it's like you'll walk and like you'll see the edge of the tile that you're on Mm-hmm. Well, just look like a map edge and you can take a piece of the map like on this flat surface and move it over to you. And whenever you click triangle again, you can walk over to where it was originally just the edge of a map. Like nice. Paper edge. And it's really cool. Good use of puzzle solving within it. Tells a really cute story. It's not too hard. It's not too easy. It's just the right type of difficulty. Uh, not a super hard game and a relatively straightforward platinum. There's a couple mm-hmm. of things and a few chapters you've got to do. Um, but yeah, I had a great time with it. So and then, uh, no joke, we played Monopoly Madness for like twelve hours. Me, my wife, and my kid <clears throat> last Saturday, uh, and that was a blast. Holy shit! It was yeah. a lot more fun than I would have ever thought. Yeah, I've played some online Monopoly. That shit's fun as so. hell. Yeah, well, this one's really different because it's like you run around with like a character model and like suck really? money up and resources up, and then you have to like run around and buy the properties. They they go up for bid, and you can like get power ups that like hit the other players. So I never even played online. We all just played with my with my controllers, which was super fun. That and you can cool. bring AI into it, and yeah, it's just you can be you can be a menace. I spent one whole thing just constantly. Every time my wife would get a property and upload it, I'd either steal it or destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get power ups. It's like a, a sledgehammer or like a jackhammer, and you can just go over to their property and if they've upgraded it. You can just lower its upgrade down by jack jackhammering it, or you can get a UFO ship that'll fly over and steal. So I've been having a great value at a PS Plus Extra uh, that was completely unintentional. Superliminal was on PS Plus Extra. Carto was PS Plus Extra. Artful Escape was PS Plus Extra. Uh, almost everything I've played that wasn't RoboCop and Avatar lately has been a PS Plus Extra game. <laughs> so It's a great value. When it works out, it works out. I think it's working out really well and it's proving itself to be a really <clears throat> great way for people to try indie games that they may not have. And it, because it's real quick, I don't have to go, Ooh, do I really want to spend that money right now? I could just go, Oh, that game looks interesting. Oh shit. It's technically free for me. Great. Yeah. I'll go ahead and exactly. try Exactly. And I've liked almost every game I've downloaded from that. So, um, there's some games I'm iffy on. Like I started Lake 
and I don't know how I feel about it, but Lake, Lake. Oh, okay. You're just, you're just delivering stuff. It's like, like that movie Plane mail. that came out last year. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is it's it's like a far less uh, whimsical Yoku's Island Express because Yoku's Island Express, you're just a mailman. You're yeah. just a you're just a beetle postman on this island, but it's so cute and unique and weird. So you know, Lake. yeah. So I think those are good additions. Next piece of news uh, that we got here is um, I'm going to save that for the last. I think right now we're going to go into the Last of Us. Uh, it's online mode, apparently called the Last of Us Online, is dead. Naughty Dog, in a lengthy JPEG note, announced the cancellation and distilled it down to a binary choice. Take the red pill and release The Last of Us Online to the masses and become a live service-focused studio like Distant Cousin Bungie, or take the blue pill, cancel The Last of Us Online, and continue its lengthy pedigree as a prestige single-player studio. Its decision is now clear, as the game is dead and Naughty Dog mentioned it had a couple of projects in the oven. Um... There's a lot around this that is unfortunate. There's a lot around this that is actually fortunate. Um, whether or not we're just getting the dis- the version that's been cleaned up for public consumption and there's actually a little more stuff behind the scenes, who knows? But at least from what we're getting to see as players and consumers um, is that it seemed the decision was their own. And if that's true and there was really no outward forces just telling them what to do. That's awesome. And I'm glad to see a, a developer get that level of control. I also think there's a very real chance that Bungie was like, you guys don't have what it takes to do this. And Sony was like, yeah, y'all need to not do this and just focus on what you're good at. And they were just, they got to pretend that it was their decision. I hope that that's not what it is, but the reality is that that's very possibly what it is. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one to say this, but I wonder if, the Bungie meeting was less about this game doesn't have what it takes and this game has what it takes. Do you really want to support it? Yeah. 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 You know, that wouldn't surprise me because the thing that might have been is Bungie saying the game's great, but now what's your roadmap? And then, and they were like, your roadmap is not going to cut it for a live service game. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of things here, you know, First of all, why does it have to be a service game? Why can't you just release it and let us have fun? You know, I am a notorious service game gamer. And guess what? I don't play anymore. Apex Legends. You know, it's not. It's games have a natural fall off point for most people. Even now, you know, the people who are into it, I feel like they lose. They lose people around them. I mean, I'm having that experience with Destiny where my friends are destiny guys and they're having to reckon a little bit with the fact that I'm like, I'm not playing destiny unless I want to. And I don't want to run this dungeon, you know? So I'm not going to. Um, And I think that's the natural way that a lot of these games go is there will be the dedicated group of people who play it but there's going to be just as many who fall off just through natural attrition or a new game comes out and they don't have time and then it just goes out. So, you know, factions is still being played today. So I don't see any reason why this couldn't have been just a, Hey, we've got a huge year and there's five battle passes and Valkyrie is making a bunch of skins and Oh, it's over now. 
we're stopping development on this and we we're releasing the last of us three or why couldn't it be gta online which i said to you know talking to some people i said to them i'm like you know that the the crazy guy with the in the trailer that looks to me almost a little bit lesser of a quality than the rest of the game and i'm wondering if it's just because they're going to port gta online over because if you remember you get when you get introduced in that game you get introduced in a lineup that's how you make your characters in a police lineup and that's where he is so maybe who knows why couldn't this have been just hey we're porting it to the last of us three and oh here's the last of us four here's the last of us four update for factions you know I, I think there's. It's interesting. Um, I'm glad that they're staying a single player developer in the end. Um, I just wish this game had been coming out. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where um, there has to be a paying attention to a market. And I think that the the biggest thing I can say is <clears throat> I understand that like the way that they mention it is like their ambition got out of their ambition got higher than their ability to continue to support that ambition was. But I'm with you, like. Why Why did it have to be live service? And at what point did you not realize the game you were making was going to be live service? Why didn't you ask yourself that question immediately when you started thinking, hey, this is going to be a separate multiplayer experience that's not tied to The Last of Us 2 and will be released separately? Does that mean that we want to make this a live service game? Or do we just want it to be a game that comes out, has a one to two year support cycle, and then drops like almost all old school multiplayer games used to do? And the answer clearly is that no game really comes out anymore with a traditional multiplayer suite. That doesn't exist. Call of Duty comes out with it, but that's all just really a tie-in to try and push people eventually into Warzone. And then that will push them into the next game. So it's like a hybrid almost. Um, And so you look at that, but you really have to think, like, did someone not go like, hey, guys, do we really want to be a live service studio? when we're making this game, did no one ask whether or not they could support a single player game and this when they first started making this into this type of game? It's a little hard to believe. Chris, you're muted, by the way. Number one for TT Dog. Um, I think that it's one of those things where I think I really do believe that it's just the ambition got the best of them. Because this started it's, it's off... Possible. Because it's just think about it, right? It started off as multiplayer for The Last of Us 2. And then they take it out of The Last of Us 2 because they had bigger ambitions for the project. And then they kept having bigger ambitions for the project. And then this, you know, screenshot shows up and it's a battle royale game. You know what I mean? So it's, I, I really do think they were just like, oh, this would be really cool. This would be really cool. And here's the thing the idea of, a battle royale with the gameplay of The Last of Us 2 sounds fucking awesome. (laughs) That sounds so cool to think of like what that could be. Is that a 10-player battle royale that's just entirely stealth? That sounds sick, you know? I don't know. Yeah, and certain players will be bombastic and be able to go all out. Right. But, I mean... You're kind of in a weird position anyway, right? Though, because some people are going to want factions or The Last of Us Online. The expectation for what it could be has already been set for anybody who played factions originally on PS3 or PS4. And that is actually a very beloved multiplayer mode. It's actually one of my favorite multiplayer modes in any game ever because it was unique. 
definitely at the time, it wasn't normal that you did this and it was very team oriented and there was a lot of, well, you if you get shot, you can heal and it's all about hiding and being tactical. Yes, other games have it, but not normally in that type of world and game style. Um, it's normally you get that type of work from something that's a little more uh, like SOCOM or something like that. So it was cool having that element in something that felt a little more whimsical and and like oh, okay we're whimsical is probably the wrong word because it's but it felt larger than just hey we're trying to simulate warfare yeah it's <laughs> you, a- you know so to that end that's kind of cool so if you change it too much then people be like well that's not what i wanted out of the last of us online but for everyone that didn't really play that they don't have that expectation um i think my immediate thought to this is i think that it would have been really cool for them to have done, and this is going to kind of, I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. So uh, Kiki, one of the longest listeners of the show, real long friend, he says, uh, do y'all think Naughty Dog should still put out Factions 2, as he's calling it, without the live service part of it? I feel they should just port over Factions 1 and boom, done. Um, I think my answer for this would be what I was about to say, which is, I wish this decision would have been made before The Last of Us 2 Remastered was announced. They would have thought to themselves, like, listen, guys, we're, we're about to have The Last of Us 2 remastered, announced. We have this multiplayer. We know it works. Um, can we scale it back a little bit, cut all the live service aspects of it, and just trim it down to a multiplayer experience that we can put as part of The Last of Us 2 remastered as a value add so that people feel even more good about, oh, cool, the game is getting remastered. Maybe it didn't need it, but cool. I also have this new mode I didn't get before. And you can say at the same time, like, hey, here's The Last of Us 2 remastered. Um, we've decided to cancel what we wanted The Last of Us Online to be, but we've decided to call it Factions. Put it inside The Last of Us 2 remastered, and you can play it for <laughs> what it is. It's not wasted development at that point. You're still doing something with it. Because I think what kind of sucks about this is it feels like four to five years of development that it it sounds like it's ostensibly just being thrown away. And it is super unfortunate when it's like, there is a version of this where you just add this into The Last of Us 2, remastered and say, here it is, PS5 only, bam, bam, bam. I'm not saying that it has to happen or that it's even reasonable, but as a consumer who has been looking forward to this, I think it's 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 an interesting solve without wasting your, like without fully wasting your development. Yeah, I guess the argument I've been making on that point is that I've, would not be surprised if the what is it what's the mode called the roguelike mode um, oh um, yeah i can't remember what it's called either but yes either the, way the roguelike would, aspect where you can play as any of the yeah, characters more or less exactly i'd be willing to bet that there's aspects of what the multiplayer was going to be in there even if it's just hey this was going to be a battle royale map but instead we've bumped up the ai to 50 ais per round and you have to fight them. I think it'll be something along those lines. I don't think it's I don't think it's wasted development because you know, other than the money, they did come out of it with a lot of experience and they did come out of it with a new set of skills for when they do Uncharted 5 and they put a multiplayer in there that's not supposed to go for very long and is really just an added bonus like factions <laughs> were supposed to be, you know. So that's they, they actually my takeaway from this is hoping that this doesn't scare Naughty Dog away from doing any multiplayer. Because surprisingly, people loved Factions and people loved Uncharted 3's multiplayer and people it's loved fun. Uncharted 4's multiplayer. And Uncharted 2's multiplayer was surprisingly good it to is. be a kind of last-minute addition. Yeah. So, 
I don't know. It's, it's an unfortunate situation. I wish I would have seen it, but hopefully they're making a new IP that is clearly those cards from The Last of Us 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? We'll see. Because, of course, they're just being cheeky and not saying too much, but what if The Last of Us 3 doesn't happen? Because if The Last of Us 3 is happening, you just go, okay, you just take that work and you just move it over and it becomes the foundation for the multiplayer mode we're going to include with The Last of Us 3 and we'll go back to doing just a normal multiplayer mode. Maybe. Um, but maybe not. The Last of Us 3 <laughs> you know? is definitely happening. If you're not going to do, I, I, if you're not going to do a Last I of Us three, you shouldn't think have it done is. the Last of Us two. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have done the show. <laughs> That's well. actually, I think, if you the moment you did the show, you you have set the expectation that the Last of Us is going to be like this long running thing. Uh, but who knows, right? It depends on how much well, control not if you are ask they Konami. literally given, right? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, Let's go ahead and hop into the next piece of news here. Uh, Chris Avalone, one of the founders of Obsidian, spoke on X about some of the projects the team pitched, and most notably their pitches to now family member Bethesda Softworks. Avalone said that he had multiple projects denied by the publisher, including Fallout and Elder Scrolls games. He said his Elder Scrolls pitch was intended to serve the same purpose as New Vegas, as an interstitial middle game between Skyrim and Elder Scrolls 6, providing more adventures in those universes in the years between the next mainline titles that is a crazy this has been kind of known for a while at least from the fallout side he's referenced that they've tried pitching the idea for another new vegas like game before Mm -hmm. but to learn that there was anything remotely approaching that from the elder scrolls side is really interesting because i would have actually killed to see what obsidian would have done writing wise within the world of tamriel Because I do think the writing is much better in the Fallout game that they did. Um, So it's interesting. Um, Do you think they would have made more Bethesda-style games if the online discourse hadn't been Fallout New Vegas makes Fallout 3 look like shit? (laughs) Honestly, I do think, and I've thought this for a long time, as soon as Todd Howard kind of started coming out and being like, yeah, well, we didn't really want them working within our IPs because we wanted more control over them. I was like, they were worried that what I've been saying for a while, their already dated gameplay is going to start looking more and more <clears throat> dated the more that other people interact and start making games. And, and then their writing is going to start coming under more scrutiny. Because their writing has also been kind of and for a while. Yeah. But back then, when the games were that big and there was nothing like it, you were willing to overlook it because it was unique and interesting. But now yeah. that other games have come out like The Witcher 3 and had bonkers writing in a big RPG world, you're kind of like, all right, well, what's their excuse? And so things have compounded. I think Bethesda are aware enough of their shortcomings that they knew if they kept letting Obsidian make games in their IP, they would have gotten dried out even faster now that's a weird thing because all their games have sold well so it doesn't really matter what the discourse is around them if starfield's still one of the best-selling games of this year they've made your money they don't give a shit if you really like the game that well here's here's the one point about that isn't there an argument that if a fallout game or an elder scrolls game came out every two years they would start being judged significantly more harshly also, yes. But at this point, even if you had, with how long it takes to make games, right? If you were to say, hey, 
we want to make an Elder Scrolls game four years after Skyrim, six years after Skyrim. A thousand years after Skyrim. Point being is that right now, we're still probably talking another five to six years, if not more, before we get to the Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah. From the way that they were talking. And when you look at it from that point, what was the harm but prior to being purchased to being like, yeah, fuck it, Obsidian, you can make an Elder Scrolls game. We're not going to fucking touch it. So that's well, kind of where I'm coming. I, I get your point. I do think of it like every two years, kind of like what we saw with Fallout uh, 3 and then Fallout New Vegas. That was a little too frequent. And I mm-hmm. think that that would start to catch up on them. But I think if you're like, hey, we don't want to overload our stuff, but hey, we're, we're really digging into this Starfield game, which is our new IP. And that means we're going to have to push either Fallout or The Elder Scrolls pretty far back to make room for this. Yeah. So make one of those games. And they go, well, look, we got Fallout 76 on, on in development right now. So how about you make an Elder Scrolls game? Because we're not going to touch The Elder Scrolls for another 10 years at the point where they were probably having this conversation. You know what's crazy is at the time of this, you assume these conversations, Bethesda was doing pretty well. You, I almost wonder why they didn't go, okay, we'll buy you. <laughs> and you're now part of Bethesda Softworks and you you do Fallout. Yeah, I don't know. Kinda, I almost wonder if it was something as simple as Todd Howard being like, well, even if we did that, I'd want creative control of the game. But he could still have it. He's the producer. All you do is bring those people in-house. This is not at a time where people were like, I have to I don't know that home. Obsidian wanted that. Maybe not. I, I think if Obsidian were like, hey, we'll make an Elder Scrolls game, but we want to be able to make it without your hand. Which, yeah. to be fair, like Oblivion was not Todd Howard. Like He did not actually direct that game he directed fallout 3 and so a different team was working on it but he did produce oblivion he was involved in oblivion's creation Mm -hmm. um which is something that not everyone knows uh so to that end i don't know but yeah it is interesting to see maybe maybe bethesda were doing pretty well but not well enough to be able to just be like hey we're going to buy you obsidian or maybe obsidian didn't want to get bought at that point clearly that's changed for a lot of developers at one point insomniac said that they wanted to remain independent but now look who decided to get (laughs) snatched up you know what i mean yeah it's like all it took was uh, all it took was fuse or whatever the hell the game ended up being called (laughs) Um, fuse and maybe something else yeah, it took it took Fuse and uh, the Xbox game, Sunset Overdrive, for them to be like, Ugh, maybe we don't want, <laughs> maybe we maybe we don't want to own our games and be responsible for when they don't do well enough." Right. King's yeah. Ransom. Throw that out there. I mean, it's kind of where I think we are on that. But it would have been really cool to see them let someone else play around in the world of Tamriel. Because that we've not seen that. I think that there is a lot of interesting value in being like in looking at New Vegas and being like, hey, this was someone else's take on how on what a more Bethesda like Fallout is still. Because it's not like Fallout New Vegas was more like Fallout One or Two. There's it's still a, a very structurally similar a similar game to Fallout Three. I think the weirdest part about them wanting to have so much control over the IP is that Bethesda is notorious for running roughshod over their own lore. So it's almost like, what are you trying to control? You, you take, you know, fallout. There's tons of stuff that 
was established in one and two that they just went, yeah, that's not real. And then it's like, okay, so then what do you care if, if Obsidian makes a game? Who cares? Yeah. It's weird, but whatever. Yeah, Times are knows. changing. They're going to make a Fallout game now because Philly Spencer says so. True the hat. All right, so we got one more piece of news before we get into uh, the the bigger part of uh, the episode. And we got some questions around that big part. But for a second, let's take a detour into PS5 Pro Boulevard over here, you know, and, and see what the rumors and leaks are talking about for it. So we've long had Tom Henderson talking about a PS5 Pro. As well as some people on YouTube, like Moore's Law is dead, and all these different people have long been talking about a PS5 Pro and the likelihood of it uh, and what it would probably look like and when to expect it. All these things have been being you know, postulated and sometimes considered to be leaks. Um, so Jeff Grubb of Giant Bomb actually hops into that discussion and brings some information of his own. So he says, quote, it's almost certainly real. Uh, and he goes on to actually clarify uh, that the specs for the system are not finalized. It's still in the works. Uh, but a new technology that's being developed by Sony that is realistically their take on what is both NVIDIA's DLSS and to a lesser extent AMD's, um, what is it, uh, Super, I actually can't think of what it's called right now, FRS? Isn't that what it's called? I'm, I can't remember what that actually stands for. Um but yes, so it's some form of AI-assisted super sampling so that they can run a game at a lower resolution and have this process upscale it back up so that you don't see that loss in quality. It's something that's really big about NVIDIA's cards, uh, and it's what FRS, or I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, FSR maybe, super resolution. Yeah, I think FRS is a Scion that no longer being made. Chris, you're muted again. Um <laughs> Two, two for TT, though. <laughs> um, so this is kind of interesting because this is basically, this was not too far off of what Sony did with the PS4 Pro, but they're pushing a lot further here if this is to be believed. And there's a patent that has come out that seems to kind of coincide with this. Uh, so the upscaling technology is the main feature, and that's what they're leveraging for PS5 Pro, apart from also having just generally more powerful console. Uh, and if you remember a while back, there was a talk about them being able to push higher fidelity ray tracing. And that seems to be part of the way they want to do it, is to offshoot some of the raw power needed in order to meet the resolution and instead let that happen elsewhere and then use that extra power to push uh, ray tracing even further. And looking back, I think this is a reasonable thing to think because I don't know if y'all remember, this is probably for people who are more into the tech side of things, but when Mark Cerny did the PS4 Pro um, event where they revealed that and started talking about it, he kept talking about how trying to brute force 4K was a very hard thing to do at a budget-oriented price at the time, which is what Xbox's choice was to do with Scorpio, which was $500. And they were like, we want the PS4 Pro to be more competitively priced, and we think we can achieve similar output by faking 4K, basically, and then allowing these extra things to happen. That is the same basic idea idea here. Mark Cerny was the system architect for PS5. He's very likely the system architect for a PS5 Pro. This seems directly in line with what we've already seen from Sony. Give a little bit more power, but be more smart with how we utilize that power by offshooting it onto something else that can give us similar results. And then we can 
do so cheaper, whereas Xbox is across the board. They've always been, but we're just going to brute force it. We want 4K. We're just going to make a system that puts out in 4K, <laughs> whether or not it does it very consistently or not, you know, but that's, that's <laughs> those are your two approaches, right? And they both have positives and they both have negatives. Um, so I, I think that this is a very interesting one. Final thing, uh, Grub talks about a release date, uh, sharing that from what he's heard, it will potentially arrive in September of 24. And if I remember correctly, I think he mentioned that they were already saying like dev kits would are probably already going out right now for people to start working on it. So this is interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Chris, will you be if would you buy a PS4, a PS5 Pro? And if so, at what price point? And would you want what's being talked about here? Like for you as a consumer, would this be enough for you to, to satiate you and be like, cool, let's work the extra money? <laughs> Chris's um, dogs are being sacrificed. Yeah. Abraham's sounds, in his sounds house. Like anyway. I'm sorry, son. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it depends on the price and what it does. I mean, I would probably be in for it just because it's the shiny new toy, right? <laughs> but yeah, well, you would, got a pro. You got a PS4 Pro, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Okay, so if you're thinking of it around there, and think of it as a similar power jump. Mm. And think of it from a similar price standpoint, where it's something that'll be probably five hundred. Let's give it a little bit of a bump. Let's say it does kind of what Scorpio did. Let's call it six hundred dollars. At six hundred dollars, yeah. seeing a similar boost um, in terms of comparative to what you know of PS Five to that standpoint, would you be interested in that? Oh, or at yeah. what point do you think you'd kind of be like, meh? I don't. Oh, care. I definitely would. If it was one of those things, just like yeah, four K sixty, hundred percent of the time, ray tracing, sure, absolutely. Do you think in that standpoint you'd still like to just see like a hyper resolution 4K 30 still just for people who literally don't give a shit about 30? <laughs> no, I, I I think at that point the standards like what if you can get it to the point where it's going 4K 60 and it's giving you ray tracing and it's giving you HDR and it's giving you 4K like what what is super 4K going to do for you at 30? Yeah. Just, well, I think what it really is is you wouldn't be getting 4K, true 4K, right? That's that's kind of the whole point of this DLSS comparison point true, is that yeah. it would still be some kind of recreated 4K, which is already what we get right now with the, P, like with the PS5, right? If you play Gran Turismo, it says it's running in 4K, and it is. It's outputting in 4K, but the internal resolution it's going off of is more like 1800p. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that was true. Like a lot of the PS4 Pro games, like Horizon Zero Dawn, I think was like a 1440p game that was being re, you know, reprojected up to 4K. Um, and so you reach that point of like maybe the more power gives you a 100% no DLSS equivalent. This is a straight 4K presentation, 4K pixel by pixel, no re, no anything, very dense. You know, everything can be a little more dense. Particles can be more dense. There'll be more light sources, even crazier ray tracing. But this is like fidelity mode all over again. Or do you, would you really prefer to see gaming move past the point where it tries to leave 30 frames per second behind unless it's in a type of like a story-driven game, like a Life is Strange game or something? I I think if we have if we have the power, <laughs> move past it. Okay. Like the standard I'm, should, should. I'm ultimately with you because like I played, I noticed Avatar was weird 
mm-hmm. because it didn't ask me my preference before playing. So it was in 30 frames per second at first. But as soon as I had a menu where I could hit start and change it, I went over to performance and immediately thought it looked and felt better to me. Like, clearly, it actually looked a little worse, but the smoothness of 60 frames per second looks good to me. And so it makes up for the actual clearer picture of a 30 frames per second, you know? Yeah, I've just never seen enough of a difference. And I've been I've been at a point with a couple games where I thought the 60 FPS mode looked better either way. So than the fidelity? Yeah. 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 I don't know. It, yeah, it's, okay. it's it's something I'm interested in, but it's not a must have. Uh one of the things I thought was wild. Um, it made more sense when the pro came out because 4k TVs were becoming pretty ubiquitous and they were becoming pretty cheap for people to get. Yeah. One thing I saw here is, uh, one of the leaks mentioned that they would have the ability for games to output an 8k. Why? Uh, my first question, like those aren't even as dense in the market as 4k TVs were when PS4 pro was coming out. How many more K's do you need? Isn't this four not enough? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's one more than the worst case. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> so, I mean, who knows? Maybe more isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go 8, but don't go 9 cuz then that's just that's just triple. It's <laughs> oh, a good point. To the power of 3. Now, um yeah, I, I think that that one's interesting. I have often wondered as I look at like my 4K TV whether or not I could see myself caring to really push past it. And dude, like my new TV looks so incredible that I see no reason unless I wanted like a hundred inch TV. I see no reason to go to 8K because you're not going to really be able to tell considering yeah. how small your pixel density is. Um, definitely, as I get a little older, my eyesight starts to leave me a little bit. I have to, Chris, mm-hmm. I have to squint for for subtitles every now and then now. Just a little <laughs> bit. Oh, no. It kills me. You're old. I finally, I've got to go to the eye doctor for the first time in my life. <laughs> Times are changing, brother. Oh, you got to take the dub. I got 30 years without it, you know. My wife's been wearing glasses since, like, middle school. So, you know, I, it's her fault. I contracted it from her. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to move on into the last piece of news here. Um, And this one's kind of interesting because I want to make it very clear right now what Chris and I have kind of discussed before the show, right? So this kind of came out last night, this morning, about Insomniac's leak blowing wide open. The, The company that had hacked them and threatened to leak seemingly has dumped some of the information or someone bought it and they decided to dump it. Who knows exactly how that went about, but regardless, there are leaks galore out and about that are for all intents and purposes, they should be believed. They look very legit. Everything I've heard, they seem legit. Um, and so, of course, it's been being talked about today across social media. It's been being talked about the Discord that we have. If you'd like to join, you can head into the description, whether you're watching or listening. And, um, and click in. We'd love to have you. But, you know, some of that came up today like, oh, well, here's the leaks. And then here are links to the leaks for anybody who wants to dig in deeper. And as Chris and I were kind of preparing for the show, he texted me the other day and was like, oh, do you want to do the leaks? And I kind of get the nature to go towards that. And we have a question 
Um, we have a, actually a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a surprisingly um, thought about topic today about when you should, when you shouldn't, whether you should, whether you shouldn't, and if you even care to dig in and look at these type of things. Um, so I'm going to kind of front load a couple of questions that are similar. So the first question, Chris, comes from Sweet Grantris Moke Jones, and he says, do you think game leaks, especially from hackers for blackmailing purposes, should be covered or given light in the media or on podcasts? And of course, as a podcast, and he submitted this question in response to a prompt that mentioned that we were going to talk in some detail or in some to some degree about the leaks. And I think to go inside with that, we have Rude Days 93 who has hit up in the Discord and said, I'm curious what your opinion is about certain segments of the gaming media. And he mentions kind of funny, VGC, Gamatsu, etc., not covering the leaks. Just in my opinion, it kind of seems like a weird double standard when you could argue 50% of gaming coverage comes from leaks. Um, so I think we need to take those two questions and kind of reconcile them into a single question of, or at least a single discussion about leaks and why people choose to or not to talk about them and whether they should or shouldn't and what the value is one way or the other there. So Chris, when you messaged me and you said, you know, oh, you're wanting to talk about the leaks before you really knew what my response was, what kind of drove you to ask that? Um, Cause I had no intention of talking about the leaks and I still kind of don't really have any intention of talking about them. <laughs> So um, what does that entail? Like what is not talking about the leaks entail? Cause I think you brought up pre-show when we talked a little bit, kind of a version that you seem to be okay with. Yeah. That was I think, seemingly in line with mine, right? Yeah. I think talking about the fact that it happened is fine, but I don't, I think what, what I said to you was like, if we're going to talk about some stuff, we just talk about all of it. Cause at that point we are, we're we're trying to play like too cute by half, right? Where it's just kind of like, oh well, we're not talking about the stuff that really sucks for them. We're just talking about the fact that this game only made this much money. You know what I mean? And I sure. think at yeah. that point you should just talk about it. I think the thing for me and this situation is a little different for me is that this came by Insomniac and Sony and Marvel being held hostage. And that's where I think the difference is. I think I said it to Blake because we had this conversation a little bit and he's like, I don't really see the difference. And to me, it's your child runs away versus your child was kidnapped and held for ransom. And I think that's the difference. The NVIDIA leak, they did that. That was their fault. Right? Rockstar also hacked and also held for ransom. And I think a lot of people got really into the fact that it's Rockstar and we're willing to talk about it. But I don't think we went very deep on this show about it. We didn't. We talked about the fact that it happened, but you weren't sitting here. We weren't sitting here talking about the fact that Lucia's butt jiggles when she walks or there are guns in a Grand Theft Auto game. We didn't have that conversation. I think this is just me being honest with my feelings on it, right? I think the only reason to cover these leaks is 
SEO farming and trying to hit on the greatest topic and having this conversation so that Brett, when he puts the show up tomorrow, can go, we're talking about Wolverine and this new game and this new game that has just been announced. And I think that there are much better ways for us to farm SEO than talking about information that was gained at the barrel of a gun. If Brett and I wanted to farm SEO, Brett could have sucked it up and watched The Last of Us, and we could have done an extra show for 30 minutes every week and had that content out there and grown the show that way. To me, us going into the details of financials that we're not supposed to see, slides and internal presentations that we're not supposed to see, announcements for games that we wouldn't hear about for five, ten years, for what? Like, what does it benefit knowing that there's a, a game at the end of a tunnel that I'm really excited about? Like, really, the best thing that can come out of the conversation between me and Brett is me going, I was right, nah, 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 and then moving on. Because there's nothing to be gained from having this conversation. There's nothing positive to be gained from it. At least so, well, the conversation no- of digging into the details. Right, exactly. Right? I, I just want to make sure I'm fully understanding your point. To me, it's the again, to me, the difference is that this information was stolen and held ransom. And I don't think that Brett and I have covered anything in that way. You know, like I said, NVIDIA was on them. That G, even to the extent of that GTA 5 trailer that leaked early, that's because Rockstar decided to upload it early to YouTube. Like, that's why that stuff happens. It was up there. Someone took it down, put buy BTC over it, and sent it out early. And that's terrible for Rockstar, but it was preventable. All of, I think a lot of the leaks that we've talked about in depth, especially NVIDIA, were entirely the fault of the company and entirely preventable. And I don't think having a conversation that only serves really to grow our audience for a week is a good reason to do that. Yeah, I think to your point there, right, that specific little bit, I really appreciate that you, of course, brought up behind the scenes, like, hey, do you want to watch The Last of Us and us do a show? And I think if I had been interested in The Last of Us as a show, we would have done that not strictly because of wanting the SEO farm, but because we had interest in it and it's beneficial for getting in front of new audience. Well, one of the things I appreciated as soon as you were like, hey, do you want to do it? And I was like, I don't really have any interest in watching the show. You weren't like, come on, you got to do it or anything. You were just like, okay. And you let it go. And And because I I really appreciate the general sense of this show of, I don't think we've ever done anything on this show for the sake of just trying to build an audience. Yeah, And and, uh, unfortunately that's reflected in the fact that we don't have nearly as big of an audience as we could if we chose to give in to all these things. But I think that we tend to run, not in comparison to anyone else, but just in comparison to what we could run individually, I think we tend to run a fairly honest show. Where When we're on, when we're here and we're talking, we're just saying what we feel like. And that sometimes comes with people being like, I wish they would have done this, but we weren't feeling it. Or I wish that they wouldn't have talked about this, but we were feeling it. And that's yeah. just kind of where we are. But what were you going to mention? 
No, and, and to be clear, like, I, I don't know that I expressed it to you, but like, I disagreed that with you on The Last of Us. I think you should have watched it, but I think, and we should have done that. But I think what makes the show is that if you had said something that I wasn't interested in, and I, I would feel comfortable saying no, you know, and that's the thing. Just because I think, and I think both of us know intrinsically that had we done that, and the next day, every day after The Last of Us, we had an episode on YouTube that would have done wonders for the show and probably for us. But you didn't want to do it. We didn't fight about it. You know, just like a lot of stuff that we've done together where it's like, you don't want to do this. And I'm sure if I told you, hey, I don't want to do this. I'm telling you right now that I don't want to have this conversation. And, yeah, and 100%. And, and that's, <laughs> at one point, so like in the Discord earlier, some people were like, well, y'all could talk about this aspect or this aspect. And I'll tell you, like, from my own standpoint, I mostly agree with what they're talking about. And I want to get into that in a second in terms of the actual parts I think would be okay for me as an individual to talk about and kind of give the reason as to why I feel that way. But I think where Chris is coming from also makes total sense. Um, I think not talking about any of it is a very reasonable standpoint and position to be at. And I agree with your general sense that we talk about leaks sometimes. We do. And I know that some people listen to the show and they don't want to be spoiled on some things. But we also know that we are generally a show that talks about the happenings around PlayStation. So we try and talk about things while minimizing just how spoilery we get. We try and get we try and stay at the same level as anyone who's just watching trailers for the game that are official is putting out typically. But every now and then a rumor or a leak will come out and we'll talk about it a little more in depth. Uh, and it's you're right. There's something about it feeling different because it's at the it's because of someone's bad intent. It's like a fucked up version of the trolley problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but there are two versions of the trolley problem where one of them is that you move a lever and if you move the lever, of course, one person gets killed. But if you don't move the lever, five people get killed. And then the, the flip version of that is you're on a bridge. There's a very heavy set person that weighs so much that in this fictional version of the thing, if we were to push them off the bridge, the train would hit them, kill only them and save the five people. And mm -hmm. they've done this test with people and almost ubiquitously, everyone preferred pulling the lever to pushing someone because the act of physically touching the person felt more like they were responsible for the aftermath than just simply changing a lever to try and minimize the position. Well, and yeah, the you're whole... doing the same thing. You're killing one person in this scenario, mm -hmm. but the intent behind it is vastly different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, It's the press Our... this button, get a million dollars, and someone in the world dies. It's the same thing. Like I'll yeah. press that button a fucking million times. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but it's it's interesting to see how that comes around because um, I think that leaks are an inherent part of the very online nature of every mm -hmm. industry now. And you see leaks in literally every industry. The automobile industry has leaks. <laughs> the movie industry has leaks. Well, That's, if, the, it, if, if you can consume it, it will get leaked if there's a way. I mean, the iPhone 3G leaked. Some dude, <laughs> the Apple engineer left it on a tr in a bar. Like this <laughs> yeah. all happens, but I think you're you're putting in you're saying where I think the difference is. All of these things were self inflicted. The mm -hmm. Apple engineer left the 3G in the bar. Well, look, you can you can long you can long form your way around to making it anybody's fault. 
Realistically, I'm sure someone just heard that and they've worked up a way to say um, their security wasn't good enough. Therefore, it's their fault that someone was able to get in and hijack them. Therefore, it's their fault. So this is self-inflicted. I think obviously the intent there is vastly different. <laughs> so well, and, and if this had all, that, good. If this had all leaked without the pay us two million dollars thing, we'd be talking about it. I would have Very no likely, problem yeah. talking about it. But mm-hmm. once they put the once they put the gun to their head, mm-hmm. I'm like, now you've got now to me, I don't feel like this is worth talking about. Well, it feels like there's a more human cost to it all. Whether or not there really is, it's definitely the perception of it. Is it feels a lot grosser. Yeah, and look, there's a lot to be said about the fact that my Twitter feed was filled with sad insomniac employees. And when this happened to Rockstar, I didn't see that. I didn't see it when NVIDIA leaked, and I didn't see it when Capcom leaked. Like, but so that probably is a factor to me, but I think you know, it's funny because we'd be willing to talk about these leaks, but you just you talked about in the Discord that uh, of for the show, we were like, well, why are they? Why are we announcing games so far so early? Why is Wolverine being announced? Clearly, five, this is six the reason. Years early, and you've got to get ahead of everything. And then we want to sit here <laughs> and have a conversation about a game that's coming out in seven years. Why? If we're lucky. No, exactly. That's a, that, that that game is is coming out in ten years. But you know what? So why why are we talking about it? Like, what's yeah, the point? I think I think to back away because I mean we're clearly not mentioning what is shown. But um, to go into the actual bit that I think is reasonable to discuss and to kind of give reason as to why I think it, you are correct. We are not supposed to see these financials. We're not supposed to see a lot of things, but we sometimes in this industry see things that we clearly were never intended to see case in point sony's um policy around uh being cross-play with places involving them getting payments from the people Mm -hmm. who have the game as a means for potential lost revenue um we were definitely not intended to see that but because of what happened we ended up seeing it so that is there but I, i think the reason that i'd be okay personally on a personal level but I'm also not like, I, I'm going to push to make sure we talk about it. I think the financials thing is an interesting standpoint because if you look at the value of each one, I think there's less value in looking at a roadmap of what you hope is coming with all your next couple of games that are contingent on a bunch of things that may make them not happen. There's a, there's so many things that could happen to make those games either not come or not come when, they, when this leaked information says they're coming. That's one thing to look at. Uh, But also, I think that that takes away from the actual excitement of getting to eventually learn about something. That is a literal unknown quantity entirely from the way that we do it. So we can talk about Wolverine real quick. Wolverine got leaked, right? But if it'd be different... We don't know the other games that were listed. We can speculate all day long, and some some people who have speculated have been correct on what is coming. But point being... I think is that it's still nebulous. You don't really know. And there's a, there's excitement from the broad community about one day seeing those things revealed and then one day seeing them in action and then hopefully one day playing them. Um, I think financials are really interesting because I think as long as we don't talk about the projected financials of how they hope the unannounced games will be doing, looking at the financials of the games that are already out, 
I think does have a value uh, for us and from someone who's looking at it who wants to go, well, what might drive them towards this certain decision? And it doesn't mean we have to, but I don't think it's crazy to say this game made this much money, which either was considered a success or a failure. This game made this much return on investment versus this much return on investment. I think that that's an interesting standpoint to be able to look at how a company may go one way or the other and why certain decisions were made, even decisions as simple as why they decided to get purchased or not, Uh, Mm -hmm. why they decided to move away from wanting to remain independent to instead being like maybe the safety of being under an umbrella corporation is worth the risk of being shut down entirely. All these different things that come down. Um, So I personally would be comfortable with that. But it's not a it's not a subject that I want to broach so much that I would push you into talking about it. So I'm very easy to say like, yeah, you don't want to talk about it. Great, we don't have to talk about it. No, look, um, if you want to talk about it, that's fine. I just think if oh, no, I think you have to filter you have to filter what you're talking about because if you talk about one of the financial slides, we have to talk about the whole thing. So that's a decision for you to make. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I get I've you, said my I get, piece. I feel yeah. comfortable. Anyone wants to come after us for talking about it. I railed against it, but the audience does want to hear about it, and Brett wants to talk about it. So we talk about it. That's fine. But I've made it clear that I don't think it's particularly right to talk about it, and I've said no, why. But no, I, if, IGN can, is, if IGN can fucking put it as their headline, come at me. I don't give a shit. Well, of course we can too, but here's the difference, Chris. Because this is just something I like to do, Look, I've got a family. I've got a career. I've got things I have to do. This show is something fun that I'm glad we've been able to do for, at least I've been able to do for six years at this point. Um, and you've been able to do for, what, two and a half of those years to some About degree? About that, yeah. Um, so when you look at it from that standpoint, I don't like the idea of pushing in anything that the other person doesn't want to talk about if we can minimize that. And the reality is that we can because this is our show. We're not beholden to anyone besides the listeners. And the reality is this th- this could be viewed so pessimistic, what I'm about to say. But the reality is, is that as much as I love this show and I love getting to do it and I love that we get to spend time and talk and hang out. Uh, and I enjoy it. It's a highlight of my week. There are stressors to it. I have to edit this full thing and get it out and put it up. I have to try and stay ahead of making sure that we engage with you guys to get uh, you know, certain call to actions <clears throat> out. There are stressors to it. If we were to stop doing this show right now, I would mourn that it's not doing it anymore, but it wouldn't fundamentally change my life. And I think the upside to that approach is that I never feel compelled to do anything that I would not feel right doing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and the great thing about that is is chris you don't want to talk about it literally all i needed to hear we're going to keep going so all you really need to know from this is hey a leak happened it was threatened we talked about the fact that it was threatened last week that threat was made true unfortunately if you don't want to see anything in relation to this leak you are going to have to be very careful online if you care that much um so it's something to be said be be mindful if you want to yeah. block people or blo- you block certain words on X or whatever. Go for it. Yeah, and I, I look. I think in the end, if we didn't have a Patreon and we weren't making some kind of money off this, I would feel less weird about it. But I do think talking about a crime for money is weird. But here's the thing: if you <laughs> fair, <laughs> if if you have two brain cells to rub together, nothing in this leak should surprise you. So it's honestly, to me, not even that interesting because I'm pretty sure you and I on this very show have been like, I think this is what they should do. And guess what? I was certainly right. 
And so that's all you should really need to know. Go delve what further I was, into it. But this is what all I thought obvious. was really interesting is we are both we were both correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is and the financials make that a little interesting because you would look at that and go, I would if that's true, you wouldn't have thought that this would be the way it's moving forward. But mm-hmm. at least right now, that's the intention. So um, we're gonna kind of we're gonna move off of that, but we're gonna move off of it with a very simple question that is not specific to this and more specific to leaks in general. And I think Chris is kind of in a since answered it, but Sweet Gran Turismo Jones' follow-up question was, and another question, do you actually look at leagues yourselves? Do they get you excited or do you avoid them? And I'll tell you, I tend not to look at leagues. I don't like to be spoiled, but I don't like to be spoiled of an entire story. I don't necessarily mind the spoiling of the existence of something that that something someone wants to make. Um, I have perused very small bits of this, very small bits of this, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't say they've excited me, but I think what it is is that this one is coming at a time where something I think was hopefully not the way things were going to go was a potential. So I wanted to kind of look enough in to see if I could make sense of why that choice was being made, even though it seems obvious. Um, And so I was curious. And so I did look at the financials. I did look at that side. Um and I looked at a very, very little bit of what was actually leaked for Wolverine. Um, mm. And mainly because it, I think it's going to inform how I want to play it. And eventually I'll see this in a more official capacity. And even whatever opinion I formed today from what I saw is very light, very possible to change with a more official reveal in a quality and in a more finished state. But it, it was enough for me to kind of just be lightly intrigued. Most of the time I avoid spoilers or leaks or anything like that because I don't find them to be very compelling. And I find that most of the time they run the risk of enjoying my – or of hampering my enjoyment of a title. Mm-hmm. So. Um, <laughs> raise my hands in the air. Maybe it's hypocritical what I'm about to say, but I, I read through all of this. <laughs> I watched all of this. Well, but what you're saying is that the leak is there. You chose to partake in it, but you're not necessarily choosing to to spread. I don't feel the need to profit off it. And I know that sounds ridiculous from a guy doing a podcast with, as much as we love our audience, a very small audience. Sure. Right? Yeah. But that, to me, is the, the line, right? I don't want to be seen as profiting off this. I think that sounds bad. And honestly, quite frankly, I would love to have a job in this industry and I don't want someone from Insomniac going, oh, we listened to your old podcast. You spent four hours talking about all our private information getting leaked out. Fair. Um, um, you know, but, it, it's to your point though, right? Like the, the potential chance of hypocrisy, uh, hypocrisy. I don't really, it, it's like I mentioned, um, Blake had shouted out that, um, if I was interested in Avatar, I mentioned that I picked it up and he was like, oh, well, you could have just spent $18 or something to that degree for a single month of Ubisoft Plus or whatever it's called. Um, and I had referenced that while I appreciated that that was an option and it's cool that it's out there for people. I, like your choice here, have been thinking a lot lately due to music and other industries and how things are getting turned because of this push towards subscription and how it can potentially hurt certain creators. And so I've decided that I wanted to buy Avatar. Did I know for sure I was going to like it? No. Could I have gotten it for cheaper? Yes. And I was aware of that. 
But I made the decision that I have enough money to actively say, I'm going to take the risk, buy the game for $70, support the developers. Um, Even if I don't like it, that's fine. I have the money to make that decision. Also, this was rewards points, so it's not like the end of the world. Um, The risk I have in it's very low. But what I'd mentioned is that I've been benefiting from PlayStation Plus a lot lately. Mm -hmm. I don't consider that to be hypocrisy that... I see a lot of the downsides to subscriptions and there are positives. As we mentioned, all things are, have got positives and negatives. Nothing's perfect. Um, but I didn't, I don't want to actively participate in driving the industry more toward a subscription thing, by actively leaning toward it as my way of playing. If it goes that way, regardless of what I attempt to do, that's fine. And I will adapt accordingly. But right now, when there's a clear decision for me to make, I am choosing to both partake in a subscription service or games that are in a service I already pay for so that I can play online as well as buy games instead of adding one because I can do that and I just don't want to actively you know, push toward that. So it's like you. You read the leak, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you're hypocritical because you're not trying to benefit off of it in some way and you're not trying to immediately spread it to someone else or make it hard for people to ignore. There's a bunch of reasons. You're not, hip- you're not hypocritical just because you chose to view the information because right. viewing it is not inherently <clears throat> the thing that you had an issue with. It's... <laughs> yeah the spread of it as someone who has an audience and a means to do so. Right. Um, exactly. In terms of answering the question, I get to tell a story about, I think the only time that I've ever been angry at Brett in my whole life so far, where dude, because it explains, it explains where my head is at with leaks. So, and this, this is technically a spoiler for Spider-Man, no way home, but it's in the commercials. (laughs) So I think you'll be okay. Um, Before that movie came out, it was clear, skip spoilers right now, it was clear that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were coming back. Like, it was obvious. (laughs) But Brett, the day I was going to see the movie, confirmed it. And that pissed me off. (laughs) Because I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to (laughs) happen. So Chris is right. That is what happened. (laughs) But what Chris is also leaving out is that as soon as I sent it, I deleted it. (laughs) (laughs) But Chris clearly had already seen it. And as soon as I hit send, I was like, oh, why the fuck did I do that? (laughs) Because Chris has done the same thing to me. And this is how I know. Chris has sent something to me and then unsent it, but the notification on my phone is still there. <laughs> yeah. And I know exactly what he said. And so even though I deleted it, I was like, Chris fucking knows. He saw it. There's no way around it. He saw it. I got I just gotta take the I gotta take the hit now. <laughs> it was like, dude, it was it was six forty five in the morning. I had just woken up, <laughs> read a thing that confirmed it, and I didn't care. But in my mind, I was like, Oh, I guess I'm gonna say and then as soon as I sent it, I was like, No. <laughs> <laughs> And Matt is an ex- is a is a strong word, but I I don't even think I said anything. I think I just left our private Discord. <laughs> you did, you did, because I tried tagging you in something to be like, I hope you didn't see that, but I think you did. <laughs> and it did the whole like can't find this user thing, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> so I think that's where it's for me is like leaks can get me hyped, but. 
until I see the product, it's not real. Like I've been spoiled on a lot of movies, but until I see the movie, I don't know. Right. The meme of Darth, who Darth Vader is, is existed my whole life, but I've never seen those movies. So for all I know, I've been misled. <laughs> well, Chris, I was just potentially misleading you whenever I confirmed that. That's what happened. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at is that little anecdote of, of our, of our life is that story. It's a, it's a super, everything is nuanced, right? So it's a really nuanced question to answer. The reality is, is I have looked at a few leaks in my life, but most of the time the answer is no. And it depends on what it's leaking. Like if these leaks were 100% detailed things of what's going to happen in those games, there's no way I'd look at that. Because I don't want, it. that would be like completely undermining my point about being less interested in watching The Last of Us because I know the overarching story they're telling and I had just experienced it again less than six months prior to the show. It doesn't mean that the show is bad and I've never said that the show was. I gave no value judgment on it other than the fact that I didn't have a strong interest in watching something that I ultimately knew was going to happen. And so that same thing would be played here. I don't want to look at a leak that's going to ultimately tell me exactly what's going to happen in these games because I would just lose interest in playing them. Thankfully, they're still games. The gameplay may be enough to push me to continue playing it despite knowing the story. But... <clears throat> You know, it's it's still an unfortunate place to be. So yeah, I will say these leaks did get me interested in some things. I'll tell you that much. I saw the voice oh, cast since, and I was like, "This cast is you, awesome." Uh, <laughs> since you but, looked at uh, something, I won't confirm. There's one thing I looked at because I thought, "Why the fuck is this in here?" Mm. But I'll uh, we'll talk about it after the show. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure. Tease, tease. I'm I'm pretty sure you owe Saul a house. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> it was either a house or a car or something wild that you had bet, but we'll talk about it after the show. Uh, Chris. Did we get confirmation we to Bloodborne point- 2 is not coming? Is that what was in the league? <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, because I didn't see this. Uh, we'll talk about it. So uh, that brings us to the section of the show where uh, first I want to announce the Velvet's Corner is back. The return is today. It will still be at the end of the episode, so stick around if that's something you're interested in. Thankfully, after our call to action, we've already received three responses for them. So we have three, actually four. We have three from people who are not Velvet, and Velvet himself was so touched by us bringing it up in the section that he went back in. He dug deep inside, dug into the annals of this history of this podcast, and he has one more round of uh, quotes for us to go through, guess who said it, (laughs) and about what game. So we will eventually get to that. But to honor the fact that we wanted the community who liked the segment to reach out, we are going to go with one of the ones that was submitted by One Rude Days 93. So before we get to there, we're going to get to the uh, questions that we did not get to in this episode. And we've got a few of them. Uh, So first one, and I guess actually... um, yeah, I, I missed that one, but that's okay. We kind of talked about it a little bit anyway. Um, I've got to, over on Twitter, we've got No Fate, who asked us a different question. This one's kind of fun. He says, if you lost access to your PSN account through no fault of your own and couldn't get it back, how much do you think it's worth? All the games, all the trophies, as well as all the time spent, etc. If you had to sue Sony, how much would you be asking for? <laughs> if I so, lost access to my account? 
Yes. But through nothing that you did, so wrongful loss of access to your account. I want to specify. So in this world, we know that in the real world, Sony has so many legal things in their EULA that it does not matter. Uh, they, you are not going to get them on some kind of crazy technicality if you lost access to your account. I can almost guarantee you there's something that says if you lose access to your account, we are we have no legal <laughs> requirement to do jack shit. But point being, in this world, let's say that, that you could sue Sony for this. What would be the value amount that you would give to the... <laughs> The, the lawyer, or to the judge, rather. Jeez. Um, I don't know. It gets hard, because like it's at least as much money as you spent on games. I think that would be where I go, is I want my money back. Man, now you got to go so much more hardcore. I'd be, you, going, I'd be pulling out hours played. I'd look at, like, it, for systems that didn't keep up with it, I'd look at trophies and then figure out how long it takes to platinum and then prorate the amount of time I likely played based off of how close to platinum I got. And I would have an hourly rate that I would charge them for that. And then on top of all that, from all the games that I bought, and I would, you know, some of them be on sale, so I'd do like a medium <clears> value for each of them. I'd go through each one of those. Then I'd bill for my hours. And then lastly, I would bill for emotional emotional turmoil. <laughs> yeah, I could see the emotional turmoil being the only one of the multiple things you said actually having any chance in court. Yeah, I'd because be like it, the emotional pain that happened from my loss of this and the loss of the hours that went into it. Because hear me out, right? If you go to... Sony and you fight for your account, right? Mm -hmm. And you sue for the value of the games, fine. But once you bring in you Platinum Horizon Forbidden West, okay, so you finished it. So you got the value out of it. That's scratched. I don't think so. I do. That's that's, the, that, I, because you that got means, what you paid for. You did everything in that game. But I couldn't do everything again if I chose to do so. So I've lost the ability to replay that. Sure. But what you're proving is the you did get the value out of the game. And that's that interesting. It's interesting because a 10-year-old part of the EULA just came up again where <laughs> you can't even sell your games technically, physical or otherwise. So I don't think you have an argument there. That's why I think you don't bring – you do not hey, allow again. Sony to bring that evidence in. Again, in this world, Sony's EULA is not stopping. You can't even sue Sony for losing access to your account. We're already having to bend the rules here. So clearly in this world where you can sue them for losing access to your account, what are you going for? I'm going if, all in, if, baby. If I can also, go for Chris, whatever listen, I want, any, I would listen, go. Chris, I'm going to give you – okay, you want to anchor this a little more into the real world. Sony got sued for the fact that Killzone Shadowfall said it was 1080p but its multiplayer was not actually 1080p. It was 1080i to make sure that the game multiplayer could run at 60 frames per second stably with everyone connected. They got sued for that and lost, Chris. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with this question. They got their value. They no, that's bought a, the game. That's, a, that's different. That is lying in your marketing. Okay. That's, that's why they lost the Linux thing. Which is funny because they weren't lying and then they stopped marketing the Linux thing after they and, took yeah, it out. Exactly. But they're still like, you marketed off of this. Right. But they also marketed off the fact that I buy my digital game and I'll have access to it. They definitely don't market off the fact that you'll always have access to 
They definitely You're market right. the fact that you can have that digital game. Look, I think if we're going to go the full ridiculous route, for me, I would care about the value of my trophies probably above all things. So that's like th- that was a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the Witcher, was the Witcher 3 was actual work for a lot of it. <laughs> and I love that game, but that was work. If I like yeah. if I lost my if I get this GTA 5 platinum and lose my account, genuinely might kill myself. So I <laughs> joking. Actually, I should clarify. Joking. But that's how I would feel, how distraught I would be. So yeah, there's a level of emotional emotional damage. But that was a terrible impression of the meme. Um, but other than that, you know, I would sue for the value of my games and the destruction of the digital library of things I finished. Bare minimum would be a million dollars. I'm going hard, boys. Dude, I would, you know what I would do? I Think would about sue the trophies you can never get again. And be like, Think about the MLB, the show trophies that are just, the servers are gone, you can't play anymore if you wanted to. So that, what are we saying now that I can sue? <laughs> you took down the Battlefield Bad Company servers, I'm suing you for the $6.99 I spent on this game. <laughs> yeah, more. I'm suing you for the hours I spent into that. <laughs> but what about the games I didn't spend hours in? It right? doesn't matter. Every game on my shelf back there. If mm-hmm. the servers for each online game go down, do I get to go to Sony and be like, you owe me no, $100? No, only, no, because if you had earned the trophies for those, you'd still have them if it wasn't for them taking uh, access to your account away while you didn't violate any of the... So what you're left. saying is I should have platinumed Babylon's Fall and sued so uh, Square yes. Enix the day it went down. Well, only whenever they took your account away. <laughs> okay. So that's an interesting So if line, Sony but... takes your account away, then you go, listen, guys, I would have had the Babylon's Fall. I can never <laughs> earn that trophy again. That is a one-time memento that is now gone. Yeah. It's true. I'd be more worried about my Witcher Platinum, personally. You know, it's like whenever the, they come into the courtroom and they're like, that guy murdered my son. I can't make <laughs> another of him. <laughs> yeah. I just went, I went way too far with that one. <laughs> A little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, I would definitely... I don't know. I like to think of the Mortal Shell Platinum as my son. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that again. Does that make Actually, me its I, I kind of do. You should. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually. I, I will tell. You, I I do not want to earn the Bloodborne Platinum again. I I will. I would go my entire life having never have to face the uh, defiled amygdala ever again. Do the only benefit I could see of losing my account is starting over and just being a lot more deliberate with what I play. That would be the only thing I would do differently. Fair and enough. I don't know. That's not really worth it. I think I'd take what we got. <laughs> I'll take my 20% yeah. completion rate. I feel. I feel. So let's see. What else do we have here? I think that that might. Oh, I know. While he's searching. That's. Not, I don't believe that's an actual problem, <laughs> by the way. Oh, uh, losing access to your account? Yeah. So one thing I thought was interesting is a, a few weeks back, apparently a bunch <clears throat> of people woke up to their account being banned. Yeah, I saw that. Apparently too. incorrectly. From what yeah. I can tell, everybody got them back. It sounds like they're coming back. That's good to know. All right, Chris, I want to ask, because what we might be doing, I'm going to choose to do this in a way that that seems nice to the person asking. Uh, over on Facebook, Matt Green, one of our longtime listeners, longtime patrons, he uh, shares a screenshot 
of something called Captain N, the Game Masters. Okay. Apparently, it was a 1989 cartoon series, an animated television series, that had video had had characters and peripherals from Nintendo IP in the show, almost like an early form of drawn together using only video game characters and peripherals. <laughs> so there's like what I assume is supposed to be one of the princesses from one of the games. There's what maybe is like an F zero racer. I think maybe there's a dude with a whip and blonde hair that I do not know. There's a dog that looks like he's from all dogs go to heaven. And then there's like this little Cupid boy who I imagine is supposed to be from, um, he's supposed to be pit from, um, Icarus, whatever. I can't remember the name of that game right now. Kid Icarus. (laughs) Kid Icarus. Yeah. Um, I, he says, if you were to recast this cartoon now, what characters and peripherals would you have? I didn't know this existed. <laughs> so instead of saying that this is showing your age, I'm going to say this is showing my lack of age. <laughs> my <laughs> lack of experience. Uh, this, came out, this came out before I was born. <laughs> By about four years. So, uh, But conceptually, if you had a cartoon that was about a couple of different gaming mascots. I'm going to change the question up a little bit, Matt, just to help kind of go this. So, Chris, do you know what Drawn Together is? Yeah. It's that one of the best animated sitcoms animated, ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. I love it to death. Um, take the concept behind Drawn to Death and just recast it with modern video game characters. <laughs> How many people? Five, six. Five. Let's go with six. Yeah. It's an even number. Okay. Um, this kind of sounds like when we talked about video game Jersey Shore. I was thinking that, but <laughs> so I would go with um, PS One Tomb Raider. Okay, polygonal tits. Yeah, let's go. Claude. Claude. GTA Three. Oh, okay, yeah. Claude. Oh, okay. Um, right. yeah. Catalina, not part of the main crew, but a recur- recurring character. Um. Professor Layton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. Um, I think I would go a little wild with it because it's an animated show. It can, we can do whatever yeah, course, we yeah. want. I think I would put... I think I would make a joke about it, right? And I would put a baseball player who changes each season as the cover of MLB The Show changes. Okay. I feel... But same personality throughout the show. Just one year it's a black dude, and next year it's a Puerto Rican guy, and then the next year it's a it's a white dude. That's how I think I would run that. Um, I think uh, Kratos would probably be a good fit in there, but young Kratos. Okay. Um, I think I have what one more. Yeah. The hamburger bug snack. <laughs> <laughs> Bunger? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, the bunger. Bunger. Okay. For the record, I'm the stray you. cat lives in the house. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to choose. Hosted by Claptrap so that people stop watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All it's right. a panel hosted by Claptrap and Agent 47. <laughs> So there's eight people on Drawn Together. I just looked it up out of curiosity, but we're still going to, we'll stick with six. 
Um, I can so I'm gonna choose more by the time you're done. I'm gonna choose Captain Quark from Ratchet and Clank. That's solid. As the big lovable doofus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna choose. Um, ooh, there's a there's a whole whole lot to go off of here. Oh, I'm gonna choose <laughs> um, Chloe from Uncharted. She's going to be the kind of hard-ass sex symbol. Mm, the Sammy. You know? Sure, yes. Um, let's see. Who do we want to be the... I, I think... <clears throat> I think Sly from Sly Cooper would just be really funny because he's this, he's got a great personality that can kind of mold around different people. So I think he's good. So that's my three. Um, it's funny that you went with... Um, GLaDOS because or uh, you, you went with Claptrap because mm-hmm. conversely I was going to say either GLaDOS or Wheatley from Portal 2 both but I almost think Potato GLaDOS would be even funnier yeah that would be pretty good what if you have both and they're just like a panel they're like <laughs> it's Wheatley on a rail system throughout the house holding Potato GLaDOS and they're considered yes, one exactly. character they're one I'm character. good with that yeah, I'm good with that. Um, I still feel like just because it'd be funny to see, I think Link would be a funny dude to throw in there just because <laughs> having a silent character, like one who just never actually talks, he just grunts and <laughs> <laughs> makes odd noise. Like you, oh you see God. his bedroom door shut and you just hear, <laughs> I was literally thinking the same thing where it's like him and PS1 Tomb Raider go off into the hot tub and it's just, yeah, 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 All right, so hold on. I'm at at five. I need one more. All right. I think we need the needs well, GLaDOS Potato is technically a female, but I would want one, I want a little bit more female energy in there to cause a little more chaos. So let's see. Who would be my female game choice? Mm. Tifa. Tifa wouldn't be bad, but I'm wanting someone a little more kooky and crazy. Fuck it. Cheerleader from Lollipop Chainsaw. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Julia. And she's young, which I yes. think works. Yes. But she's a high yeah. schooler, and this is an adult show. Is that a little. She's one of those Japanese. She's 18, but she looks. Like, she's still in high school, but she's of age. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what if you just change it up and it's that character from Lollipop Chainsaw, but like over After the college. hill? So it's her at like 45, still holding this chainsaw. <laughs> Her boyfriend's head is just increasingly fucking it's uh, just maggot filled. Deceased, exactly. <laughs> Completely. How does a reanimated apart. head die? You would have to think it would decompose all the way after a while, right? <clears throat> I don't know. We're gonna ask Mamir. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. All right, that was a fun little thing. So now is the time. Uh or Chris, do you want to add two for years? I didn't, but I think six is good. No, we'll go with six. I could figure some out, but... Yeah, six is good. Oh, Matt Hazard. Holy shit. Not bad. Matt Hazard and Duke. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) The two worst possible guys to add in, but it's so funny that you would. (laughs) 
<laughs> Actually, <then> I, <laughs> same two people in my group because it would be so fun to have three massively buff dudes, but one of them is fucking Matt Hazard, one of them is Duke Nukem, and then one of them is fucking Captain Quark. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I would amend mine a little bit, and I would take out the baseball player because I don't really love the joke, and I would put Alan Wake in there. So it would be Duke Nukem, Matt Hazard, and Alan Wake. <laughs> <laughs> the most fourth wall breaking <sighs> cast of all time. Yeah, that'd be pretty wild. Alan Wake go. is writing the show in the show. Yeah. I, what would the name be? If we're going to try and take the drawn together inspiration, right? Because they're animated. So these are video game characters. They wouldn't be drawn together. What would we call Coded it? together. Mm, dude, speaking of coded, do you ever watch Compiled the show Compiled together. <laughs> That's pretty good. Do you ever watch Code Monkeys? No, on I've G4? never seen that. It's a pretty good show. You, you should definitely out. check it out. It's it's video game developers, and it's like in a um, 2D sprite animation style. Is it just American IT crowd? Ish. Um, visually, it kind of looks like you know, like pixel sprite character, but you know that game that we talked about where I can't think of the name of it right now, but where you're it's like a simulator <clears throat> game dev maker or whatever. Is that what it's called? Game Dev Story? Yeah, Game Dev Story. It's like yeah. that, but it's a TV show. Nice. That's pretty funny. And you see the people coming in and talking about their stuff. You should check it out. Um, all right. So we are going to move into the Velvet's Corner, and that means for the first time in a while, I get to edge Chris with a little bit of... Wait, you didn't fucking finish it yet? Velvet's Corner. All right. It's been there so go, long. Just finish. <laughs> Chris, you can't fix what's not broken. That's a, one of the, the, your theme song has the same problem as Dune Part One. It doesn't fucking end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it ends. It, it stops. Doesn't it doesn't end. It stops. That's the problem. It just stops. <laughs> oh. So, Chris, Rude Days 93 came in with a Velvet's Corner here, and he says, so the three games I have picked have all released on PS5 this year, and as you go down the list, you will definitely get it right. So, anyone who doesn't remember, this is another round of the uh, bad reviews for great games. So, these are well-regarded games, and these are bad reviews, and we have to figure out from the reviews if we can guess what game they're talking about. The second best Velvet's Corner game, by the way. Yeah, so he said the scoring here is some grade A old-fashioned Kentucky scoring. First set is if you get all three games right and how many hints you needed in order to do so. A good old southern accent should be used here. So, Chris, if we get it in one to five hints across all three games, damn, you're smart. All right, boy. Six through nine, well, you ain't the smartest, but you all right. Um, Ten through twelve. You're a little on the special side, aren't you? <laughs> and then 13 through 15, it's, boy, you as dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> okay. All right, so the second set here for the score is if you miss a game or all games. So if we miss one game, well, you tried. If you miss two games, you brought shame to your family and missed three games. Get out! <laughs> I have so, a plan, Arthur. So... <laughs> <laughs> you brought shame to me, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, Dutch. <laughs> uh. So, 
Uh, it would it would seem that, that we're foregoing a punishment here, unless you want to consider the punishment being that if we do poorly, we have to accept that we might be as dumb as a box of rocks. How about, <laughs> the punishment can be if I lose, we have to talk about the leaks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Here we are. Yeah. So, right, is this game? a team game or are we fighting? This is, this is a team game. Okay. Let's go. All right, so here we are. Oh, actually, I mean, it doesn't really matter. We can do it as a team game, or we can just figure out which one of us is closer. Um, I, you know what, Chris? He didn't specify. I'll I'll, uh, I'll defer to you. Do you let's want do this a to team be a team game? game? Let's do a team game. Okay. Let's, and There's then no in the future, so. if you guys want it to be us pitted against each other, make sure that you uh, you say so in the uh, in the prompt that you send over. So, uh, game one, first hint is same old reskinned everything. A nothing story, build, crafting, destroyed, insufferable characters, bugs galore, content redesigned to devour more of your time. Don't waste your money. All right. So just to, rem- it's to the remind building you, part that gets three games that have all released on PS5 this year. I'm with you. The build, crafting, destroyed, insufferable characters, bugs galore. What right. came out? So what is a buggy game elements? that is craft-oriented this year that hit PS5? I can't think of any. <clears throat> All right. Let's think through. Eight. Uh, I. When did... Rust hit PlayStation. I think it was last year, right? Rust doesn't have characters. You're right. And it doesn't really have a story. Uh, exactly. Mm. The Last of Us PC. <laughs> well, that's what I'm trying to think. So Sons of the Forest didn't come out um, this year. So it can't be that one. Um. I'm trying to think of what would have crafting. Um, same old reskinned everything. So reskinned makes me think that it's something that comes out often and it's once again well, and coming out again that way. Until he said building, I thought this was Call of Duty. Yeah, same old reskinned everything and nothing story. Build, crafting, destroyed. Oh. Oh, I think this might be. I think it's saying build crafting. Like you don't have the ability to reasonably craft a build. Diablo a good 4? Build. Is this Diablo 4? This actually, this might be. This, it's either Diablo 4 or it's a Call of Duty game. But I think you might be right. Build crafting destroy makes me <clears> think <throat> it's going to be something a little more RPG heavy. I thought you were talking about build, comma, oh, me too. crafting, me too. comma, destroy, comma. Well, yeah, it's a, it's an uh, build crafting destroyed. It's it's a weird wording, it's but I understand. Definitely Chris, here's the question. Then. Are you willing to run the risk of selecting the answer and say, revealing it now for a chance to get less hints? Or do you want to go ahead and go to two to try and seal it beforehand? I've, I can't... I don't know <laughs> that another hint helps because I don't know any other game 
that would have the word build crafting in it. Unless, okay, this I don't I think this came out this year. Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Oh, you're talking about the the remaster re-release of Dark Alliance? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. What do you remember the Dungeons and Dragons game launched into Game Pass early this year? Got like sixes. <clears throat> I'm actually very interested in playing it. Dungeons and Dragons game. 2023 game? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's PS 2023, PS5. Dungeons and Dragons, it's Dark Alliance, yeah. Is it a new Dark Alliance? Yes. Oh, you're correct. I God, I forgot all about that. It is a new Dark Alliance. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if that's it, but... I don't think that's it because this is good reviews for bad, uh, bad reviews for good games. So this is a game that's ultimately considered. Here's the only thing I haven't thought of. Do you think we would count in expansions to existing games? Like, because build crafting, the the reason this even crossed my mind is because you were going, you talked about going back and Sean spent so much time, even when we were playing Baldur's Gate three, um, talking about how they had completely changed the way that you build characters and build classes in destiny when lightfall came out. And I don't, maybe warframe is another example of that type of game where there's been an expansion this year that might be considered that. So I could look at that. Destiny always gets complaints for reskinned everything, though most MMOs do. That's like it's a common MMO complaint. It's like, well, you're just reusing more of the game, which is kind of what happens. I lean I, towards I remember Lightfall story being criticized. I lean towards Diablo, but I'm willing mm. to hear the second hint. I would be really surprised to hear Diablo be bugs galore because I don't remember there being a lot of bugs. I didn't play Lightfall at all, so I don't know if there's bugs. You remember all the server issues at launch? <clears throat> yeah. Would you think somebody who's do- doing this might consider that to be a bug? I think somebody who's giving a bad review score to a good game might. Content redesigned to devour more of your time. I think the problem with this is it sounds like something that's either annual or semi, or, you know, it's often. And Diablo 4 was forever away from Diablo 3. Diablo 3 was so long from Diablo 2 that I think saying reskinned would be really hard to get out of the game. But I still follow your reasoning. And this is a bad, just because it's a review for that game doesn't mean it has to be sensible. It can right. still be for Diablo. I don't actually know. If you Go to the second one. I feel like we're at a point where it's either Destiny or Diablo. All right, let's find out. Okay, boring, revamped systems that aren't any good. Nerfs at every angle. Okay, so this Destiny. Unlikely to be, yeah. Difficulty increase that hinders new players. So definitely something that has new players coming in. Kind of what, oh my God. I didn't spend $100 for the annual pass. So it's something it's that's Destiny. a live service No, game. that's Destiny. We're done. It's yeah. Destiny. It's is, is the annual pass $100 for Destiny? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. All right, let's find out. Yeah, Destiny 2 Lightfall. Yeah, okay. That was a curveball okay. because I didn't, a curve ex- ball. I didn't expect a DLC. I think I think this is one of those situations where it's like when you're doing a riddle and you get the answer wrong, but you kind of get the answer right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for game two? Hit me. <clears throat> first hint, read the reviews about people saying pl- uh, play past the first few hours and it's a really fun game. This is Baldur's Gate 3. I guarantee it's Baldur's Gate 3. I don't even want you to read anything else. 
<laughs> well, you know, if we go ahead and click the answer, we lose all points. I didn't know that. But That's I almost, works. for content, I almost want to bet the farm, but keep reading. That's fine. Read the, read the reviews about people saying play past the first few hours. So Anybody what's another game that came out this year? know that I said Baldur's Gate 3 within the first sentence. Just <laughs> FYI. <clears throat> uh, well, I can that see it all that, that they said. Yeah, this is that's the entire one star review. We read it one more time. Re- read the reviews about people saying play past the first few hours and it's a really fun game. So whatever it is is a game that's considered not to be very fun up front. Okay, Starfield, or like Days Skyrim, Gone. One of the two, Star Starfield or Baldur's Gate. It's one of these because Baldur's Gate <clears throat> is a is one of my favorite games of all time. Game of the year quality game. It's tutorial is pretty brutal, especially when, like me, you've done it eight times. So Hi, Chris. I'm gonna I'm gonna really ask you because I I I understand both of your choices, but I don't fully agree with you yet. Can we go to two? Go to two. Let's find out. Okay. <clears throat> but the problem is, after the first few hours, the game is over. It's a really tiny game and has nothing going for it. Okay, this might be Starfield because I heard Starfield's story game. is really. But then again, tiny game. That's a if anything, Star- Starfield's too big, a few but with hours to push you to go into it. I don't. <clears throat> just to clarify, Th- these reviews almost find each get other, yelled right? At. I don't want to get yelled at. Just to clarify, when I say this, I don't. I don't agree with this review. Spider Man Two. No, because the first the first hour is probably the best part of that game. <laughs> okay. So it, play past the first few hours and it's a really fun game. And then the second one says you, after the first few hours, the game's over. These seem to fight each other. They do. Yakuza like a dragon. No. What was the one? Ishin? Yakuza Ishin? I heard it was short. Maybe. Maybe. That would actually be pretty interesting. Uh, I have unfortunate context that you don't. I can see the size of the blacked out spoiler box, and it doesn't look long enough to be a <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, that's a pretty long game name is all I'm is. getting at. Neither um, one I of could the- see. Look, here's a weird <clears throat> thing. I could see. I've seen people say that the, the story for Starfield is incredibly short. Uh, but I could also see, hey, play past the first few hours. Whenever it opens up, Starfield becomes really fun. I mean, part but of I didn't the play re- Starfield, so part I of the review cycle was rush to New Game Plus. So, like, <laughs> holy shit, really? Yeah, I could see it being Starfield. <sighs> you want to go to three? Just to, yeah, I don't. To three. I, at three, I want to guess. I'm willing to be that risky. The game design, mechanics, dialogue, content, plot, voice acting, everything. And I mean, absolutely everything is terrible with this game. Starfield. A, it's Starfield. It's Starfield. That's a scathing review. I think this is Starfield as it's well. It's Starfield for sure. All right. Let's go. And Answer. I like Starfield. Holy shit. No. How did I not think about this? Baldur's Gate. This is actually a – yes. This is – reading it, I disagree with this. But reading it, do you know what it is, Chris? I, you can guess it, I bet. Alan Wake 2? One of the first games come out this year. Hogwarts Legacy? Forspoken. Oh, I agree with everything they said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rude Days, you've thrown us a loop. This is not a generally well-regarded game. <laughs> but, let's play bad reviews for eh, video games. <laughs> <laughs> for someone. <laughs> <clears throat> 
All right. That one's interesting, but Chris, we've we lost all points on that one. All right, for, for the sake, I want to see what Flag Force on says. the play. <laughs> Force says the only positive thing I have to say about this game is that literally any game I'm playing after this will seem a masterpiece <laughs> by default. There were six clues to this. Now I learned the company behind this game is shut down after making just one single game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have gotten it there. Yeah. And, uh, and the last one is in an ideal world, the makers and marketers of such products would be in prison for fraud. <laughs> That's funny. That's some funny shit. Holy crap, dude. All right. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Game three. We have to redeem ourselves. Cause Chris, I already got to tell you, well, you tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. All right. Game three. Has got the the first review is the longest of any of them here. Hell yes! In this dramatic, I need a dramatic reading of it. By the way, all right, here you are. <clears throat> the developers are just awful at fixing this game. The bugs that they fix end up breaking the game when they upload new patches to be downloaded. I've had to uninstall the game and reinstall it twice now due to them not knowing how to create updates for their game. Every time a new patch is released, the game doesn't start up or it says I missed a texture update and there is no way to find that missing file. Very unsatisfying, specifically or especially when the game is enjoyable to play, but the constant updates every day ruin it for people. Go back to the drawing board with coding, please. Also, Chris, how the fuck did we say Starfield when these are games released for PS5? I feel... (laughs) (laughs) It's the Xbox tax, bro. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is what happened rude days you got me because you play xbox a lot so in my mind i'm like xbox is, a, is in play here i didn't even consider that it was just an xbox game like that sounds like starfield <laughs> <laughs> rough okay chris i'm gonna be dead honest with you i do not know a game that came out this year and constantly had apparently issues with being patched to even work See, the texture updates makes me think Call of Duty because, but that's a PC thing. Not really a. No, there's texture packs on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. Then I would go with, I would think Call, I would be leaning towards Call of Duty because I know Modern Warfare 2 on my computer, I was always downloading texture updates. Well, and you know what's funny is my buddy. Um, he recently got a Series X like two, three days ago. Yeah. Um, 350. Before that, yeah, but before that, he was um, he was on an Xbox One, um, and he asked me when we were hanging out one day to go look, and I had to help him figure out how to even get Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three to install. And apparently, it's a super common problem on Xbox and in Windows if you buy it through Microsoft Store. Really? Um, so I could see that because him having beta information was like fucking with something else. So we had to do a bunch of shit to get around it. Uh, but we, we finally got there and he got it downloaded. So Baldur's, I could see that. I, I remember Baldur's gate had some issues that it, they been had to attempt. And here's the thing. I know we just got thrown a loop with fucking Forspoken, but this is bad reviews of good games. And I don't think call of duty qualifies there, but again, <laughs> Forspoken was here. So let's go to number two. Go to number two. All right. Combat system is absolutely horrible. Nothing makes sense. No idea where to go, what to do, where to start. Played 10 plus hours already. And it seemed to most mostly aimlessly wander around trying to figure anything out. Story doesn't seem to be overly engaging. This sounds like Baldur's Gate. It's Baldur's Gate. All right. You ready, Chris? 
Well, I might as well be. Baldur's Gate 3, let's go. Whew. We got there in the end. All right, Chris. So uh, what if, what, I have it's a, a mix of things, right? We missed a game. Yeah. Uh, so it's, well, you tried. <laughs> well, you tried. But if we were to go back and look at how many hints it did take for the ones we got right, we did two for the first game and two for the second game and six. So we're at 10, which puts us in 10 through 12, which is your little own special side, ain't you? Yeah. <laughs> so that's our that's our mixed answer there. Uh, can, I, can I ask you a philosophical question that <clears throat> has hit me now? Kind of fucked sure. with my worldview. Is I, it De- I, Descartes? Uh, I think, therefore, I am. And how can you actually ever confirm your own existence instead of just not doubting your existence? In a way. Um, okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, I, it's I adore Baldur's Gate, right? Schrodinger's cat. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what does it say about Baldur's Gate? That this guy threw a bunch of negatives at me, and I was like, "That's fucking Baldur's Gate. That that <laughs> shit sounds like Baldur's Gate." <laughs> you know why? I know exactly what this is. This is this is rooting right back to what we've said about the about that game and why it's such a massive game this year. There are, of course, still people that it doesn't speak to, mm-hmm. but the reality is, as we were saying, it was kind of crazy that a CRPG was drawing in so many people because typically this is the response you get for <laughs> <Yeah>. CRPGs. It's <laughs> a very definitely good point. on console. Um, everything about this, it's because for people that don't understand Dungeons and Dragons as a concept, which is that the everything works based off of your imagination. Like mm-hmm. you have to be interesting for the game to be interesting to a su- yeah. to some degree. That is how it works. Um, or you have to be able to think of interesting things in order for you to have interesting things happen. Therefore, your fun is somewhat tied to your own ability to think out of the box, um, which is technically also true of games like um, um, Tears of the Kingdom. You know. Yeah. So, um, but. <laughs> Played 10 plus hours, bad combat system, no idea where to go, what to do. All of that screams a CRPG that... And I'm not even going to say chooses not to hold your hand because realistically, Baldur's Gate 3 gives you so much fucking UI information. Oh, yeah. But it's not the most intuitive thing to figure out if you're not already familiar with how those type of games tend to give you that UI information. Exactly. Yeah, that one's an interesting one. He said, also, just as a note, all of these are reviews are random one-star Google reviews. <laughs> uh, like so, all right, Rude Days, thank you. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, apparently, you know, we we tried. <laughs> well, we did surely try. Sometimes try I'm, I'm disappointed in us, Chris, but that's okay. Um, I think at this point, we can take our... Uh, what do they call those little hand whips like the dude in the Da Vinci Code who kept whipping himself in the back? A whip. <laughs> yeah, I think they have a smaller name, but you know, a I can't say. smaller name? It's a five-letter word, homie. <laughs> a whip, whip is four letters. <laughs> That's <laughs> even better. <laughs> it's a four-letter word. Uh, what is it? Self-flagellation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the act. That's not what the thing is called. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm looking. <laughs> flogging. Is it called a flog then? It's called a whip, dog. With a whip or a stick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? 
A smaller whip? <laughs> yeah. A, a mini whip. <laughs> oh, a work in progress? <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. It's not a full whip. It's a, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Yeah. It's not a whip. It's a whip. <laughs> cool whip. All right, Chris. As always, we got to shout out these lovely patrons. So if this is your first time listening to the show, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. If you want to hop in to the Discord, which is always linked in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services, we would love to have you over there. That'd be fantastic. Uh, You can join in there. Talk to Chris and I and some of our other uh, patrons and members, listeners, all those great people who... Also join in there. There's a spot for you to talk about things we talk about in the podcast. Generally talk with everybody. Talk about movies. Talk about TV. We just love to have you there if that sounds like your kind of thing. If you want to catch up with us on the social media site formerly known as Twitter, you can head over to uh, there and do at Triangle SQRD. Um, lastly, if you want to, you can do like Matt Green did and find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, where you can respond to the Velvet's Corner prompt, uh, you know, call to action if you want to throw one in there or to any of the question uh, call to actions that we throw out there and get your questions potentially read on the show. If you'd like to join the people who choose to not only give us their time every week, which we are always so thankful for, you can join our patrons who go over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month to keep the show going without us having to dig into our own pockets, which is so awesome, and we are very thankful for those people. So without further ado, we always shout them out at the end of the episode. So Chris, thanks for joining me. And we'd like to shout out Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, Easton328, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Sanderud. Thanks to each and every one of you. We'll see you next week.